This episode of Limit Break Radio is made possible by our generous Patreon donors, including Melo Targaryen of Fairy, Midge McMoogle of Leviathan, Volkai Nilo of Balmung. Thank you so much for your support. If you want to support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Coming up this week on Checkpoint Radio, we'll preview the action out at the Rocket League Universal Open. Make sure to catch our pre- and post-show coverage at our Twitch channel at twitch.tv slash checkpointradio. Plus, speaking of Twitch, Amazon Prime is changing. What does that mean for Twitch? That's all coming up on your source for eSports and video game discussions, Checkpoint Radio from Westwood One. Join me, Nate, Robbie Norris, and Joe for Checkpoint Radio. Listen on demand Fridays at our website over at checkpointradio.com. Social media by moonlight, scheduling interviews by daylight, roasting interns is an easy fight, she is the one named Kooky Moon. Susan Calloway is a real friend Trolls could never offend She is the one on whom we can depend She is the one named Kooky Skirl Venus Papa Mercury Senpai Mars Lloyd Jupiter With her intern so useless to her She is the one named Kooky Moon by moonlight Scheduling interviews by daylight Roasting interns is an easy fight She is the one named Cookie Moon She is the one named Cookie Moon She is the one Cookie Moon Live from Aorzea Limit Break Behold the horror you have wrought. I said don't take your clothes off. Juxtaposition. I don't get it. And Mika. Oh my god. Limitbreakradio.com. Five, four, three, two, one! Welcome to Radio episode 171. This is the Nika and Friends episode. I am here alone, but not alone with my friends because. Hi! Hi, I have friends today. Today with me on Limit Break Radio are my awesome friends. Y'all know Strife Lightshade. Welcome back, Strife, to the show. Hey, how's it going? Hi. And then we also have. Ionsta, who I forget your last name, is it Sky? Is that what it is? Ionsta Sky from My Static. I never pay attention to last names. Hi, everybody. We are here for this extremely awesomely budgeted episode of Limit Break Radio. How's it going? Everything going good? It's going all right. It's going all right. Okay, well, um, I have no idea what I'm actually doing hosting the show. Last time, last time I did this, this is my second time doing this, I will say. Last time, though, I had Juxta. I'm not sure how much he actually did on the show that day, but he was there. 
Um, this time around, our, our friends Amiro and Callow, along with Prince Clary and Escalia with Checkpoint Radio, are in Connecticut at the NBC Sports Studios for the Rocket League Universal Open. I will admit I know next to nothing about Rocket League. I looked it up. It's cars with soccer. Yeah, okay, that's what I thought. It was, it was like a cars ball game or something. There are balls involved, yes. Like, I feel like I've seen stuff like that like in real life but not with actual cars hitting the balls it's like people on skateboards or in wheelchairs or something hitting balls i didn't how does that even work i don't know i didn't even realize that this was something that had like a following enough to have like an actual e-sport yeah it kind of blew up over the last uh, i think it was last summer or the summer before it like really blew up into a, a really big thing that's when it went on from pc and all the consoles it's like a really big deal i think on switch you can even get like a mario and luigi cart like there's a big following for it they even played it at um buffalo wild wings by me the other day really mm-hmm. wow okay like when i think esports i think just like overwatch or league of legends yeah i heard of rocket league once and i thought it just disappeared but apparently it's still super big but it's just how much i know yeah no it's it's super big esports is really branching out into a lot of other genres now it's no longer just like fps like it was back when there was just mlg uh it's no longer just mobas like when league uh blew up now you're seeing things like you know mmos with their pvp uh you're seeing rocket league and these like fun spin-off games like it's really cool and you're seeing obviously like pubg and fortnite the new battle royales but it's good to have variety i mean that is true that's cool like i mean just the fact that all of the checkpoint radio guys are out there at the nbc sports studio like i was watching a little bit of their live broadcast the other day it's it's so cool and i'm really really excited and happy and proud that checkpoint radio has gotten to that point um so if those of you don't even know what i'm talking about limerick radio has um, another actual syndicated live on the air radio show called checkpoint radio it's all about gaming and esports and cool things like that of which uh Aniro and callow and former member escalia as well as our other friend prince clary are all a part of and that is where they are doing legit cool esports reporting um but that's not what this show is about this is not an esports show this is a final fantasy 14 show you guys remember that game <laughs> I, I, wait what i thought this was a battle for azeroth podcast uh, i was lied to no not yet <laughs> sorry that's the only way i could get you here sorry about that God damn it. <laughs> um so let's actually kick it over to our cool studio in ff14 which is in the goblet fifth word plot 30 if you would like to come join us you are welcome to come be on the stream with our cool iCam that likes to just show pictures of the wall like that beautiful wall shot we got right there um but now yeah our studio is cool and fun so come on down we're on oh we're on the sargatana server i should probably mention that too don't just go to any uh fifth word plot 30 goblet but no any random goblet and go there sure i mean you could really you could and then you could go see like what house it is and see if you like freak a bunch of people out on your server but no sargatana server is where we are um i am starting to believe we will probably not be able to take calls on this episode i apologize for that i don't think we have an intern readily available to screen calls but if that changes somewhere throughout the show i will get back to y'all otherwise you get to hear nika and friends's lovely voice today i'm so glad you could hang out with us um we don't have any drops or sounds or anything and this is going to be the last time i mentioned that because last time apparently we mentioned that like eight thousand times and Nero thought that we mentioned that too much so this will be the one time if you're not here at the beginning of the show then you don't get to hear this later on but yeah that's why there's no sounds no drops no production i don't want to see stupid trolls in the chat saying why is there no drops or production <laughs> it's because nika's doing the show today and that's all i've got oh now we're gonna see many trolls in the chat saying that. oh i'm sure i'm absolutely sure so yeah come join us uh in our studio um this 
will eventually be to the podcast. I don't know how long it takes to take it off of Twitch and do it all that way, but the podcast, of course, is available anywhere you can find podcasts. Uh, so if you're not here live, you can download it from any podcast site that you like to download your podcast from. Um, yeah, if you'd like to support our uh, crazy-ass podcast thing that we've got going on here, don't forget about our patreon.com slash limbbreakradio. Um, I believe now, uh, I know I got my uh, Callow postcard. I don't know. They should be arriving already. If you have not gotten it, it should be there fairly soon. This this set of Patreon postcards is a little bit different than previous Patreon postcards. If you haven't been listening to... Oh, we got a donation Is already. it time for the news yet? No, it's not time for the news yet. Stop that. Stop it. It will be, though. We actually have a lot of news to talk about today. A we lot. Do. We do. Normally, FF14 doesn't have that much news, and OBS keeps telling me I'm blowing my mic out. I hope I'm not hurting you guys. Anyway, um, yeah, wait, we actually... Wait. What? So, so you did go to Reddit and grab all the fan art. That's our news for today? No, like legitimate news. That doesn't make sense. I know. It's mind-boggling. This game has stuff to talk about today. I mean, some of it, I think, could be considered from Facebook or Reddit, but most of the news is legitimate news. Acro fan art? Uh, no. I mean, if we go with the Reddit fan art, we'll be here all day. Content. D- mm, all about the content. Super content. Anyway, what I was saying is that the postcards uh, for this round of Patreon postcards at the $20 pledge level are a little bit different. Instead of being our FF14 characters, they are going to be um, the the hosts that are going to be on our new Let's Be Real podcast that should be launching. When did they say it was sometime in September? I know they had the official release date, but it's not in the outline, so I don't get to tell you because I don't remember. So the uh, Let's Be Real cast are going to be featured on these. So technically, this last postcard was not the Calla postcard. It was the Robbie postcard. Um, and the next, not Juxta, but Chris postcard will be coming in the next, the next m- month. So if you want the Chris postcard, Sign up at the $20 pledge level on patreon.com. And then maybe we'll have less episodes like this one with only me not knowing what I'm doing. Yeah, let's do that. So are either of you guys going to FanFest? I am not. You suck. Strive. Absolutely not. You were there last time. Yep, and the only time. Why are you leaving me? Well, yeah, I heard you were going. I couldn't go. What? That's not, I don't believe that. I don't believe that for a second. Nope. You guys stop. I'm going to, Blizz, I'm going to BlizzCon this year. Can't <sighs> do both. Choosing BlizzCon over FanFest. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Every time. Ah, damn. Well, I wanted to say we're hosting the most legit FanFest after party. It's going to be, I mean, I don't usually say lit, but I've been saying that for this specifically because this party is going to be L-I-T. Lit. That's how you spell that for your kindergarten people out there. Um, wow, you're so hip. I'm so hip. I know. Hey, thanks for the follow. Anyway, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, we are doing our fan fest after party on the Friday. I know we say after party. It doesn't mean like after everything's over in between the two days. So that way you can like go home, do whatever. Friday night at the freaking esports arena at the Luxor. That's so freaking cool. Like last year where we had it before was really cool, but the esports arena is going to be hosting it. Um, I know we said there is an open bar VIP package that will be available for $55 plus the tax. I think the final cost will be $64.49. Um, Kuki is still working on getting that uh, that, that, that pre-order. We will hope you'd be able to pre-order the uh, open bar VIP package. That will be coming very soon. As soon as that is available, we will let you know 
it is currently not available. Um, but the the open bar package is going to have like a special VIP lounge upstairs where like the plebs who don't buy it can't access. So if you want to have that special special wristband and uh, hang out with the LBR crew upstairs in the VIP lounge, feel free to purchase that package. Um, there will be, however, uh, cash cash and carry bar. Um, there will be food available. And to get in is free, so feel free if you like don't even want to order anything, but when it comes to say hi, you can just walk in and say hi. But as we were saying before, there is a very high base uh, minimum that we much, must reach food and drink-wise. So uh, if you don't buy it, we're going to owe them a lot of money. So please spread the word. Um, somebody can grab that Facebook link off the outline, put it in the chat. We do have a Facebook link going on, a Facebook event that is shareable. You can share it to all your friends, get everybody to come. It's really cool. But yeah, the RSVP crap will be available soon. Uh, Cookie's still working on that, though. So yeah. I think, and y'all suck for not being there. You don't have to have a FanFest ticket to get into this after party. That's the best part. So you can, if you're, because I know a lot of people are going to be in Vegas anyway who didn't manage to get a FanFest ticket or you just live close enough, you're going to like drive over and it's going to be cool. You don't have to have a FanFest ticket. So you can still come, Strife and Ion, you know, just come to the party, hang out. It's a, it's a bit of a drive, but if you uh, record it, I might watch it. Well, that is, I wonder if we're, I think we should be able to do it live streamed because it is the esports arena and they do lots of cool things. They do have a stage downstairs by all the tables and stuff. And all um, this isn't just the LBR after party. There's going to be lots of other content creators there as well. Other podcasts, other FF14 content people. Um, so a lot of us at some point during the night will be up on the stage doing live shows and podcasts for all of you people there. And I'm assuming and hopefully that we're going to be able to live stream that so you all can see the party you guys are missing out on. Because y'all suck. Yeah, that's all I've got to say about that. Anyway, yes, we do have news. So now let's uh, take a second and go to see what is happening in Final Fantasy XIV news. This is a limit-breaking news update. Yay, on Tuesday there was an update, a hotfix-type update on... I don't remember what patch number this would be called, but I think it was on Tuesday. Um, They have changed a few things. I know our biggest bitching complaint on last week's show was about the horribly low XP from NMs in Pagos, uh, Yuriki Pagos. And now, apparently they have... Painted that on Pagos. (laughs) They have increased the XP for NMs as well as the... uh, and uh, the, how many uh, monsters it takes to kill before the NM spawns has also been reduced. So as far as I know, NM trains are back. Ooh, are we excited back about this? On the track. Is this an exciting? Is this something we want? See, this is what it's. it's hard. I feel like there needs to be some kind of more of a balance between Eureka right now. Like. NM trains, I feel like, is better than what was happening in the toxic like party community that was happening. But also, NM trains are really boring. So like. Does Square Enix not know how to find a balance between the two of these? Like, is NM trains a thing that we want to happen? So, I mean, maybe Japan loves them. I know there's quite a few. But I know that this that... wasn't what they were intending when they first made Eureka, though. They were saying we didn't intend for uh, NM trains, but now they decided to increase the XP and, like, basically say we fucked up, we'll put the NM train back. I don't know if that's what they were going for here. So, what, was, what were they trying to do before that? Well, Some other idea of what was going to happen, and then this just happened. Yeah, so, like, well, that ruins all our plans. So, so if I know you haven't been playing too much since Eureka Pagos came out, but basically what happened was that the uh, they were trying to 
not to unencourage doing NM trains. So they reduced the XP for NM. They re- like increased how many mobs it took to spawn said NM. And then they really the best way to get XP was by chaining mobs in small parties. And the thing is, is that you know the you know XP chains basically like it was in eleven, where you would kill something and then it would, you know, had a certain amount of time to kill the next thing to kill the next thing. But it became really toxic. And if every single person in the party wasn't DPSing at any given time, you get bitched at. You get kicked from the party if you weren't doing enough DPS. Blah blah blah. Because like your XP per hour was the end all be all. And it became so that, really bad. So, yeah, so that sounds like a community problem, not a systems problem. So why would they try to change their system? This is so confusing. Why would they try to change their system to reduce the quality of the content and the and the play style? Like, this isn't even a game anymore. This is just a waiting, like a, a waiting line, right? You're waiting in a queue for the thing to spawn. Basically, yeah. I mean, there's those few people that are killing the monsters, and then everyone else just stands around. My, my big thing was there's not really much... Uh, to entice you to actually help kill the mobs because you could just go to where the NM spawns let everyone else kill the things that spawn them for you while you just sat there and then when the NM spawned you, you came back and then you killed it and got basically full of XP yeah and now we have Ponographic saying that the last three nights their train haven't been there but then other people are saying you just did six and six hours the other day um, and managed to get five levels so I mean I guess maybe it just depends on the instance I know a lot of people still like to do parties because what's actually a really good chunk of XP is the challenge log stuff like kill 30 monsters of ice element or whatever and so people are still partying for challenge log and then leaving if they don't want to do the NM trains but I don't feel like the parties that were happening like the pure XP parties are still happening like they were before so I'm not really sure what their vision is here for Eureka and I'm a little bit upset that Pagos is not different Right, but you know what? I guess it could be worse. At least they have these challenge log things for you to go in and have some sort of objective to go after. And then if you must keep grinding XP XP after you go kill NMs, that's a much better system than in the first Eureka, which was purely an NM drain. Yeah, the uh, yeah. challenge log added was the best thing they could have done to it. Yeah, I feel like they added a challenge log to Animos, but it was like after I was completely done with it. Like I had already been in there for so long. Um, so I guess that's good. I don't know. I wish. I wish that they understood that this isn't exact. I'm just, I'm so mad because like, you're like Animos was such a good start. And then I just feel like I was like, okay, we need different spawn conditions, not just kill X mob spawn X NM. Like they needed other objectives and other things to spawn the NMs. And we need other things to do other than just mindlessly bashing things. And they did none of that. Yeah, I think the problem is that the average MMO player these days, they need some sort of goal, right? They need some sort of reward, some sort of objective. And if you kind of put them in something freeform like this, it's just going to reduce down to, okay, what's the most efficient way for me to blow through this because it's grindy and I want to forget about it. This is just Netflix and chill. <laughs> yeah, basically. Pagos and chill. Anyway, there was a few other things that changed in this update some like random little hot fixes but like apparently i don't even understand what this meant there's some achievement requirement you need to meet for deep dungeon and it's going to display if you haven't met it i actually don't know what achievement that is referring to you need an achievement to enter deep dungeon i'm not entirely sure do you guys have Uh, any idea no i don't know maybe somebody in the chat knows i'm not sure um here's the biggest issue and i didn't even realize this was happening but apparently in rathalos x uh, X mode. If you if somebody left the party, you know normally if you queue up and someone leaves, they get that thirty minute penalty or whatever. Apparently, if you then click recruiting members, but then somebody else leaves, everybody who left after that first person was also incurring this penalty. 
um, Justin Rathel's ex, and it became this big issue because that's not really that's, fair. That's weird. I knew that uh, if you someone left the party and then you leave the party and someone joins as you are zoning out, you still get the penalty. But I don't know anything about uh, that. Yeah, that's apparently what was happening. And that if you, you like had set like, okay, I want to refill the party, then uh, it started. Oh, yeah. I will. I'm going to interrupt myself for a second and say Skrill is now here for uh, screening calls. So if you would like to call in and talk about this, you're more than welcome to. But uh, it can only be through Discord. So it's limitbreakradio.com slash Discord. So if you are interested in uh, calling into the show, you're welcome to, but only on Discord today. Anyway. Also, also people duty finder. Apparently they do because yeah, this wouldn't affect if you went in with a full party, which is probably why I hadn't uh, realized this yet. Um, and uh, the so then what happened is that that everyone would get the penalty. So they looked into it and they're like, okay, if we were going to try to fix this, this would affect every single piece of content across the zone, um, like across the game. It would affect everything. So instead, for now, they've actually turned off the uh, recruit more party members feature just for Rathalos X. And uh, they will continue to look into that in the future. So if someone leaves, everyone has to leave. Sounds like Square Enix. You're saying that Square Enix programmed themselves into a corner. Can't get their way out? Huh. Seems strange. Yeah, that's totally yeah. new. Nothing ever like this yep. happened before. Yep, they just didn't want to mess everything up. So they're like, we will continue investigating and turn off the party field. So that means if someone leaves your party in a, in a duty finder group, you're just going to have to leave and requeue. Have fun, guys. Um, there was another, there's a bunch of bugs to Pagos that were fixed and another heaven on high thing because apparently traps and horde pieces could occur, like appear in random ass places around the zone that were not actually accessible by your feet. So <laughs> I don't, that was a thing that they fixed apparently. Um, but that was the entire hotfix patch. So hopefully they fixed like all the things that you hoped and dreamed would be fixed in uh, the current iteration of this game. Yay. Okay. We... <laughs> Yes, yes, I don't know. That's all I've got. Um, all right, moving on. We have a... Uh, gosh, I was like looking at Discord and got distracted. This is a great show, guys. I should, I should host every show. This is fantastic. Tombstones. This is why yeah, we can't nice things. <laughs> well, it's, it's hard because I'm trying to like look at the chat on my phone and then look at Discord and look at this. Anyway, I, I'm glad you guys are here listening to this shit show. Hi, all right. We, all, uh, we got a little update about what's going to happen to Tombstones. Literally, it's all the same shit that happens every time we get a new Tombstone. But these new Tombstones are going to be called... Tombstones of Genesis. Well, only the what tenth tombstones called Genesis. Yeah, isn't Genesis like being like the beginning? The beginning. Yeah, yeah. I don't know why they chose Genesis. Maybe it's the beginning of a new tome system. Yeah, no, it's not. I don't know why. It's literally the last tome of this expansion. Yeah, that's true. Long story short, there's nothing. There's no news here. This is just what they always do, right? I mean, yeah. I don't even know what we're talking about. I think I think the only thing of note here, guys, is that poetics are now for level sixty stuff too, not just fifty. That's true because really I think they're they're piece, they're like completely cutting out any other tomes that were originally obtainable up to sixty, right? So now okay. poetics they is going to be that already, didn't they? Uh, it was. I don't think so. I think currently there's still another tome. Is it? Uh, which ones are going to no, be deleted? The ver- verity tomes. Poetics, creation, and mendacity are the ones that are yeah. You could buy, like, the 60 stuff with Poetics at the beginning of the expansion. Oh, I don't know. That's that's what it said in the little blog post thingamajigger. Um, and I see everyone's telling me to talk slower. I actually talk fast on a regular basis. I'm sorry. I will talk slower. Anyway, yes, I don't know. It was in the uh, the blog thingy that says that Poetics will now be obtainable up to level 60. 
Um, so that's what I'm reporting on because that's what it said. Otherwise, they're getting rid of Verity completely. So like, if you want to keep those tomes, if you for some reason have Verity tomes on you, turn them into creation or they will be gone forever. Um, and then creation tomes are no longer you get gotten from from duties and stuff. It's going to be Mendacity or Genesis. So fun times. Fun times indeed. Okay. Um, the 14-hour anniversary stream is back. Are you guys excited? Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. You guys ever watch those streams? Occasionally. Occasionally? Okay. Because, I will say this. They, yes. they have an excellent blog post uh, from like little notes from the developers on their site right now. So if you guys just like seeing what the developers are thinking and like, it's just basically them giving thanks and, and kind of have a little blurb about what they do for the company. I thought that was oh, really that's cute. Cool. Definitely check it out. That's cool. Um, this 14 hour broadcast stream is going to be on Friday, August 31st at 8 PM Pacific time. Um, it will, the, there's, there's two different broadcasts. There's the main broadcast available on YouTube, Twitch and Nico Nico, but the secondary broadcast is only available on Nico Nico, which is kind of hard to use as an American person. Cause that is only in Japanese language. But anyway, I, I just use people on discord to freak out about the things I should be excited about. That's true. And I know that they're going to have like some stuff on the Twitter and some stuff on the official forums. And it's probably not going to be that bad if you don't watch it or can't understand Japanese. But basically, the 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 stream is going to start at 8 p.m. Pacific on Friday, August 31st. Um, it's going to kick off with the producer from the live letter part 46 XLVI. Um, it's going to give the patch 4.4 preview part two. I know we got the part one a little bit ago. It's going to be the part two. Um, we're going to have, and somebody is jumping around on the outline and blocking everything I need to say with their stupid name. So stop it. Whoever's doing that. Um, it will have special guest Saki Takayanagi, who is one of the quests, uh, quest designers for the game, as well as the ever anticipated miscellaneous announcements. I know we yeah. all want those miscellaneous announcements. So exciting. So let's pause here. What do you guys think? FF7 or something else for the next raid? Oh. That's what they're going to show off, right? Oh, oh I didn't even uh, think about that. Yeah, come on. They're incredibly formulaic, <laughs> so it's got to be, right? Oh, I think absolutely. Because yeah. if, if they miss out on the opportunity to have, like, because, you know, all of, let's look at Xdeath and Kefka. They've had two forms, right? They have, like, the first baby form, and then the X mode ha one has the, like, Savage mode has the, the secondary form. Yeah. So I can't imagine with like Sephiroth and Safer Sephiroth that they wouldn't take that same opportunity. Like, you know, he's got the big angel wing, like octopus shit going on. Right. Well, I have two opinions on that. One is that I feel like the last chapter is going to have to be Omega because that's what it's well, all see, that, Yeah, that's why I'm confused because we have Omega and Omega's goal in this stupid ass story is to create a tournament of strong people to find the strongest people to better itself by fighting, right? So if we don't end up stronger than everyone and then fighting Omega, then what's the point? Yeah. Um, but it would be a waste to put Sephiroth always, in the third one. There's always a chance that they're just going to shelf Sephiroth for later. Because I'm assuming at this point we have, what, three or four last bosses? So we still have quite a few to go through. And I feel like... I feel like... All I oh, hang on one second. Was I, I, during more this before Final Fantasy VII kind of thing. Because, like, Omega was in Final Fantasy V and probably in Final Fantasy VI. I'm not... I, don't, I like Final Fantasy VI, but I haven't played really much of it. So I feel like, if anything, they would probably go backwards. 
maybe i don't know i just feel like with the five then six iteration i think i don't know where else they would put sephiroth like using a, a person who is like hey we are going to make up characters from fairy tales and put them into reality and fight them what easier way to put previous final fantasies in than that and i feel like, I feel like ff5 and six while they're fantastic like not as many people have played five I and know, like maybe garlemond will start a genoa project <laughs> i mean maybe I, I mean honestly that would be a cool way to tie in genova but i don't know how they would get sephiroth like i, l- oh. I really like when they take things from other final fantasies and place them into 14's lore that kind of stuff is actually really cool um yeah like like the electric company for garlemald is probably the shindra company okay that would be kind of cool actually and <laughs> they could find a way to put genova into it but sephiroth directly i feel like would make more sense in something like omega but I still feel like it would be a waste to put Sephiroth in the third tier and then put Omega as the fourth tier. So I don't know. I'm still leaning like 90% that the next tier is going to be FF7. I don't know. Yeah. Also, the the thing you said before was um, it's kind of like a tournament. So like I feel like the last tier might be like the finals into going into Omega instead of just like another Final Fantasy game tier. Yeah, but there's no way that's not what they're going to do. I mean, some people have said maybe they'll do Sephiroth, Ultimecia, Kuja, and then Omega, but I don't see that being a thing either. Yeah, I also don't see them blowing a bunch of big names at once either. Right. By the way, Nika, we should thank uh, The Last Donation. Yeah, we right. should. We talked over it. I know. And I, okay. And like, Skrill's like, everyone should open the Twitch alerts. Guess what? They can't open Twitch alerts. They don't have the LBR Twitch login. This is a different show, okay? So, yeah, thank you for the last donation um, where they said they just hear hi, hi, hi during the live stream. Yes, that is exactly what happens during that live stream. But that's a thing in Japan. That's how they kind of let you know that they're continuing, that they're understanding that they're actually listening to the conversation. So, don't make fun of them. It's a thing. Yes, Nika. Yes, Nika. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, but don't do that on the stream because that's kind of obnoxious also. Bye. It's cultural. Bye. But um, like that donation was Bye. saying, the audio is only in Japanese. There will not be a translator for this. Uh, but the key points of the live letter will be available on the English Twitter, uh, Twitter, which is, I think, FF underscore XIV underscore EN um, during the broadcast. So if you can't understand anything in Japanese, you can just watch the Twitter account. And I'm sure at some point it'll probably also be on the official forums. I feel like they're pretty good at keeping it updated there too. So you can check that out. Um, on the live stream, there's also going to be a Voices of Light segment. Um, they're going to have three awesome voice actors uh, from the Japanese version of the game. They're going to have, uh, let's see, Marie Miyake, who is Serena's voice, um, Itaru Yamamoto, who plays Bunchin, the turtle beast man guy, and Grinawat, and also Yu Sugimoto, who plays Moonbrita and Vidofnir. Um, in the Japanese version. I feel like these are such side character voice actors. I just, it seems kind of silly, but I mean, that's cool, I guess. Maybe Grinawad is like really cool in Japanese. I don't know. And really funny. Cause like he's kind of funny in English, but yeah, I mean, Vidofnir wasn't that much of a side character. Were they? I don't know, but I mean, and Munbrita hasn't been around since like forever, but I just feel like if you're going to get any Stormblood voice actors, I mean, Serena, I guess is okay, but like, you know, getting like Hien or Yugiri or Elise. No, let's just get Moon Brita. But money. So I don't know. Maybe they're not available. Maybe they're like super famous voice actors in Japan and they don't have time for something pity like a 14 hour sure stream. Moon Brita died in their own report. She, she was still in like the 2.0 generation, wasn't she? 
Wasn't she like the girl who got freaking wrecked by a Norales, or is that someone different? Moonbrita is the femro who was really OP that Yuri Andre was obsessed with. And That's 2.4. Yeah, yeah, she died. She, got she did. Hurt. No, she, yeah, she was too OP, so they had to kill her. That's why she died. Because she came in with this whole, like, I've been researching the Asians for a million years, and I have this cool bottle that can suck them all in, and then we'll never have to deal with Asians again. And the de- Yeah, that thing. <laughs> and the devs decided that she was too OP, so they killed her. That's what happened. Fuck, Nika, you don't even know her lore. You're her I do know her lore. Thing. It's just, that's what you it felt like. It felt like stuff. a genie in a bottle thing, so it's just what I've been rolling with for a while. So that that's my uh, nice comparison and connection. Okay, it's a connection. It's good. Um, so that's exciting. They also have the Alien... Alienware seems to be sponsoring or product placing themselves into the stream. There are two streams brought to you by Alienware, by the way. The first one is a PvP section... A PvP section of the live stream was apparently there is a uh, Feast Regional Championship. Uh, we'll talk a little bit more about it in a l- little bit. But uh, on the stream, they're going to be introducing you to the teams battling in the semifinals of the Feast Regional Championship on the Japan side of it. It would be kind of cool if they had also mentioned like teams from all over the world. But apparently, this is only going to be the Japanese teams. They're also going to bring a comedian uh, in Japan named Nishimura Baby, and he's going to be joining the stream as they jump into some high-quality, action-packed PvP. So I don't know if they're going to have this comedian on there, like, making jokes as they're doing PvP or something, which would probably be hilarious if we all spoke Japanese. But um, I think it's kind of cool. I can't, rem- I can't remember if PvP has ever been a section of the live letter in, or the live stream in previous years, um, the 14-hour broadcast. I don't think so, so that's kind of cool. Yeah, no, not not to my knowledge. You know, it's interesting, though, that Alienware is sponsoring it. They've been doing this a lot. Like, a lot of companies like Alienware and other OEMs, like other PC manufacturers, uh, they tend to do this now for a lot of esports and online games. Whenever there's some sort of a competitive LAN segment where people are actually sitting down on machines and playing, especially if it's broadcast, they always want to have a, a sponsor. That way they can donate hardware so that the company can have hardware to do the LAN and the stream that's really good, and then they get uh, product placement, basically. So it's a pretty common thing. It's good to see that. Even in Japan, they're doing this now. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's kind of cool, I guess. Um, then I can never remember how these Yoshi P's rooms... Oh, the donation? Yeah, the high-quality PvP content. High-quality, though. Thank you, Old Wargoat, for that cheer. It is high-quality... Well, high-quality PvP sometimes happens. I don't know. No, that's not in this game. Nika, you're good. <laughs> it doesn't exist. But they're doing a tournament. It's a legit eSport now. No, no. The ga- I can go on and on about this, but the game is not designed for competitive pvp we watched it at fan fest though remember it was kind of cool like joe never fails was up on the stage narrating with uh what's his face matalos it was cool nika if you saw another any other almost any other big name mmos pvp you would shit yourself probably but put, put it this way i'll just be very quick about this basically there's two pieces here one the global cooldown being so long at 2.5 seconds right and number two the animation lock that can occur those two things prevent reaction time from being um as big of a part of pvp as it needs to be so when you have these very hyper fast matches the fact that you only have four people on your team and they don't have that many crowd control abilities right there's only like two or three each like black mage sleep for example is just so much overpowered than any other uh, crowd control, I think, in the game right now for PvP, if I remember correctly. The fact that you only have one or two classes with really, really good CC, and the fact that you have a slow combat pace with animation lock and other things that can stutter your reaction time 
And the fact that the this game in particular, and I don't think anyone can argue this, this game in particular uh, does not run as smoothly on bad connections as other online titles. So you mm-hmm. feel it a lot more. So when you combine all these factors together, it makes for an incredibly piss poor PvP experience. All right. That sounds you know, it works fair. fine on a casual level, but any sort of like competitive is kind of Mario Party level of competitive. Well, they're doing a competition, though. I feel like that's something. I mean, I could have a Mario Party tournament. It doesn't mean it's made for competitive play. Oh, no, dude. You're going to, like, burn a hole in the center of your hand if you do the N64 one. Oh, I actually I did. I have gloves. <laughs> um, back in the day, playing the um, tug of war game on Mario Party with the N64, and you have to like rotate the sticker. I actually ripped oh, yeah. off like two or three layers of my skin, and then we went on vacation, and I went horseback riding, and that was the most painful shit ever. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, anyway, yeah. Well, okay. I I believe you, but I have not watched other uh, MMOs PvP, and I feel like it's kind of cool that they're trying to make this a competitive esport thing. But you're probably right; this would never hold a candle up to any other MMOs PvP. But yeah, that's the problem. Like, if you've seen the other ones, it just it doesn't look cool. It doesn't look like hopeful or motivational. It just looks like, oh, how how sad for you. Like that's unfortunately <laughs> the perspective of me, and I think a lot of other people. Yeah. Oh, well. Well, they're trying. Let's give them a pat on the back. Um, And these Japanese regional teams who think that they're cool, I guess. Um, The live stream also includes Yoshi P's room. I think that's... I'm just trying to remember how this part went in the past. They always have a Yoshi P's room um, where he has guests and talks to them. The first Yoshi P's room is going to have a mystery guest. I feel like last year's also had a mystery guest. Um, I don't recall who it was. I wonder who it will be this time. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know. That's that's part of it. Um, then uh, and NGC, um, another uh, NGC's FF14 segment, which is also sponsored by Alienware with hosts Edosan and Fumichi. I don't know who those people are, but they are doing another 14 segment completely brought to you by Alienware. That sh- I don't know what that topic is either. So you have to tune in and find out. Um, Yoshi P's Room Part 2 has the special guest from the Capcom producer of Monster Hunter World, Ryozo Tsujimoto. So they are going to talk about the Monster Hunter World collaboration crossover, which could be super interesting. I don't know if anyone's going to be translating or putting the high points of that into English, but that would be really cool to see. And then, of course, closing remarks. So that is the uh, main broadcast, which again begins on Friday, August 31st at 8 p.m. Pacific on YouTube, Twitch, and Nico Nico. But then there's going to be that secondary broadcast where like that one guy is always doing some fun random ass challenge at the same time of the live broadcast. But this is only going to be available on Nico Nico, so I'm not sure how easy it will be for us to watch. Um, this year, Hiroshi Takai is doing a Treasure Hunter 1 million gill lost canals of Uznair challenge. So I guess he's going to be doing just literally lost canals of Uznair to see how much gill he can get during that 14-hour stream. Um, as well as during that time, Soken will be on to announce the final results of the fan favorite music poll for that fan favorite CD to be sold at FanFest. I actually totally forgot to vote in that poll and I'm kicking myself now because it's closed. I'm pretty mad. That's it, Nika. Your vote mattered. Did you vote? No. See? <laughs> There was, I did I, not know that was a thing. Yeah, I actually had the tab open, and I was like, oh, because as I was doing this outline, I was like, oh, that's a thing. Let me go see if I can still vote, and voting closed on August 10th. So, whoops. Honestly, I, I like all his music, and I don't see the point in picking a favorite well, among fans. Well, it's because they're making a CD of just the fan favorites to sell at FanFest. Uh, so it's like a CD called, like, 
best of 14 or favorites of 14 or something, and they're selling that. So he's announcing all the ones that got the most votes because those are the ones that are going to go on the CD. But if you own all his all his CDs, you would just make a playlist. This is confusing. I mean, that's true, but I think people... I know they like to it's, sell it's all these Blu-ray CDs. Some people. Yeah, it is. It's like a money... Seems like a money grab. I buy all the primal CDs, but I don't buy like all the soundtrack CDs. So maybe I'll buy the best of favorite one. I don't know. Yeah, FF14 mixtape, Miri Kennett. That's exactly what it is. <laughs> um, yeah, so those are the two streams, and that's about all I've got to say about that. Um, recently, the newest Tales from the Storm has been released. Those are the little lore stories that take place aside from the game. I think they're doing those up until the 4.4 release. Uh, the newest one is called The First Step. It is a story from Ehrenveld's point of view as he takes control of a new unit of fighters. Um, I'm a little, you know, a lot of us were confused last time after the Lakshmi thing happened and Ferdola was there and then all of a sudden we stuck Ferdola in her cage and then uh, well, we never talked to Ferdola again. Of her own free will because she didn't like being judged by everybody. I mean, sort of, but she wasn't really allowed to stay out there either. I don't know. She's always had the option to like be executed no, she literally was like i'm i'm going back to my cell now because i don't want to be here that that's true because yeah everyone was like even though she helped they were like I hesitant maybe like before she went back to the cage the guy was like i can't forgive you but i will thank you for saving us i think maybe that might have rubbed on her yeah i i think the whole point here like the reason they had to do this story is because you know they only have a limited window to tell the after story of the expansion right they have five patches and let's be honest, the last two are more about what's coming up than it is what already happened. Yeah. And since they, they have this split story for Stormblood between Alamigo and Doma, uh, since they moved us onto the Doma and the Garlean part of the conflict, they didn't really have time to kind of finish tying out all the loose ends, or tying up, sorry, all the loose ends of the Alamigo story. And I think that doing a short story like this is a fantastic way to make sure you tie up uh, those loose ends and prepare for the future because it's just not possible, um, I don't think, to tell every story you want to tell if you're trying to do proper world building. I understand that, and I do really like these side stories. I think they're cool, and I remember they used to do them like in 11, and they stopped doing it, and then they have done some for 14 originally and stopped doing it, and they're doing, they've been doing a couple different iterations of these over the ff14 cycle um i think they're cool ideas and i like reading them i just don't i just don't necessarily think that their pacing has been good otherwise like we've complained a lot on this show about stormblood's pacing in general about how it was all billed as this whole take back alamigo blah 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 and all of a sudden you save two entire regions within the first expansion set of quests and then all of a sudden now we're just like slowly building up random drama like the whole yotsuyu amnesia thing like that didn't need to happen like her story was wrapped up it didn't need any of that. And I just feel like they could have... Honestly, I think... Because it took us three patches to kill Nidhogg. It took us all the way until 3.3 to do that. And I feel like it should have taken us until 3.3 to liberate Alamigo. And I feel like that would have kept us in there a lot longer. And then it would have been able to use Fordola and other characters that have just kind of been shoved out of the spotlight in more meaningful ways. I, I feel almost the opposite. I think really? Heaven's Word, I think Heaven's War took too long to kill Nidhogg too long to wrap up the story. It was just dragged out and slow. I loved the story because I loved like that dark fantasy, you know, vibe that Heaven's Ward gave off and the Gothic architecture and all that cool stuff. But like, it just took way too long to get through the wrapping up the story. It felt like nothing was wrapped up when 3.0 launched at the end of it. 3.1 was meh. 
And then three, two and three, three felt like they finally were wrapping up the story, but it just dragged on and on and on this time around. And it might be the effect that they have two different stories going, the Doma and the Alamigo. But I felt like the pacing was much faster this time around, which personally I was okay with. Maybe. I mean, I know a lot of Heaven's Word draw, drop, which we've talked about also past on the show, was like the Warriors of Light and where they kind of like, I mean, Warriors of Darkness. And they came in and they like did a whole bunch of crazy things. And then they were just kind of also just pushed aside for a few patches. And then they came back with all this like jaw dropping revelations that all of a sudden there's like other worlds and darkness falling worlds and things we should like actually be paying attention to. And now that yeah. story has completely been forgotten in order for our own petty little squabble in Alamigo. I yeah, also. Yeah, the events of like I think it was three one and maybe three four, whatever the two patches were that mainly involved the Warriors of Darkness was just completely irrelevant to the overall plot. Yeah, which I feel to me like the fact that there are other worlds out there that are falling to light or falling to darkness is really fucking important in terms of like the universe. And I feel like that that should have been introduced in like literally the last expansion that they were ever going to do in this game. Because that would give us something to do outside of Eorzea, outside of Hydaelyn. Um, something to do beyond ourselves. And then it's just kind of weird to drop all that information and be like, oh, by the way, we're going to go liberate one tiny nation when there's worlds that need saving. I feel yeah, like yeah. it's kind of weird. Yeah. I mean, you also have to remember, I'm going to give Square a little bit of credit here. It is really difficult when you're trying to create an MMO to build a world versus tell a single story. And I think one of the weaknesses in Square's storytelling is that they focus and it's also their strength, actually. They focus so much on this linear story that you're playing through, the MSQ, basically, that they don't always give as much attention, I feel like, to world building, to the side stories, to the lore, to the, the different people in this world. And I think that you're right. They misstep in terms of they, they put out storylines that are awkward or don't really make sense. If they were able to just separate the msq a bit better from these other stories like that warriors of darkness thing could have been a series of side quests we go on and discover it didn't have to be part of the the primary plot the That's things true. that are happening with yeah the things that are happening with dome and alamigo some of them could have been short side stories where as a different thread you have to build a world and i hate to bring it up but that's basically why wow gets criticized so much for its storytelling is because they tend to tell so many different small short stories and have all these different threads that they tend to be weaker overall than than a lot of games when it comes to the primary plot and that's because they spend so many so much time telling so many different stories and i think if square enix wants to go down a not the same route but like a route where they tell more stories in general things like these novels things like what they're doing now with the whole alamigo and then going to doma they have to keep experimenting with this and they have to keep trying different media. I don't know whether it should be novels or comics. I think it really depends on the story they want to tell, but they definitely need to start branching out more side quests and expansion help more novels, help more comics, help anything they can do to keep building the world. Cause right now I feel like their world building is kind of weak. I think their main stories strong, although you could argue Stormblood's quite a bit weaker than the previous ones, but I think that their, their world building is, is weak and this could be a sign if I'm being optimistic of that improving. I hope so. And I really, I, I mean, and you're right. Cause I feel like Square Enix really suffers on the side quests. Like I don't, I don't think they realize, I'm mean, hopefully they realize that their side quests most of the time are really lame and that they only have like, you know, the ones that actually have story and them have a little picture on them when you click on the side quest, but there are so there's like side quest bloat in this game. I still haven't completed all the Stormblood side quests. There, and there was, 
there was actually an article, I believe it was last night or this morning, uh, an interview with the developers about side quests. Yeah, and, I did look through, I did briefly look through that. I didn't have enough time to put that onto this outline uh, because it was so recent. Um, yeah. But they did talk about how a lot of like the job quest things, how people like they were so disconnected. Like a lot of people like they're like, oh, the theme of this quest is or theme of this expansion is like this of heaven's word is like dark fantasy. So like half the quests all revolved around revenge. And so they're like this time we'll let people do it, you know, work on it a different way. I just don't feel like they have much like t- they don't talk very much between the different like quests like the people that are working on side quests and job quests are clearly not the same people working on the main storyline they, they also basically admitted that the side quests are there to gain xp and to take um a short amount of time they're not really there for, for story content they're not really there for world building they, they admitted that they're just there to generate but why did they make that decision i feel like that's such a bad decision because like we said we could do so much within side quests but instead they're like oh hi you're the warrior of light that's literally saved three worlds like go and fetch me some boar meat yeah this is oh, not fetch a wine for my wife yeah it's, this is not a justification but everything based on their interview smells of lack of resources or mat or bad management yeah or both yeah, yeah. It, it just really sucks because, like, I mean, I know I've bitched about it a million times, not in front of you guys, but just the fact that, like, in the monk storyline quests, I'm sure the people that are listening to LVR are so sick of me whining about this. But, like, there's an entire thing where where Vitergel reinstates the Fists of Ralgar and he becomes this presence in Alamigo. And yet all the main story quests were at least is like, let's get all of the big presences in Alamigo, like right before Lakshmi, to gather and discuss the future of this. Vitergel's nowhere to be found. So I'm like, why would you have such an important thing happen in the monk story quest and then not allow it to be visible anywhere else? To me, that's just really poor management of quest creation. And that it, makes me sad. It just feels awkward. I think they admitted that they have, what, nine, 800 something or 900 something quests in each expansion. Yeah, like by the yes. end of it, yeah. Yeah, I mean, compared to similar online games, uh, that's a fraction of what's normally done. Really? And I think that, yeah, it, it, what happens is the main scenario quests for FF14 take quite a bit of time, which they admitted they designed them purposely that way. Right. And 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 they're very story heavy, but then they, they don't do anything involving the story for 90% of the side content, and they just generate very quickly low budget, and they kind of throw it out there. And that's a problem. I mean look at it when you level a second job for most people you've probably done almost every side quest already yeah i I purposefully don't so like if if my level passes a level of a quest i'll purposefully will save it for the next quest or for the next job like i still have a couple level 67 sitting around that i'm going to do on like last couple jobs i have left but yeah it's just it's just fucking mind-blowing because like there's so much potential there like in another game where you, where you don't switch jobs on one character and, and you would have to create a new character, you wouldn't really worry about some of these problems because they wouldn't be as obvious because, oh, well, the same quests are still there when I level this other character. But in 14, a game where one person is going to do so much, like one character is just going to participate in so many activities, you'd think that they would be even more conscious of this problem, and they're not. Yeah, I really, I'm, I'm hoping that because they actually brought out this interview that, that this, ha- this interview happened because people are complaining about this. And I hope that they realize that this is something that needs to shift. They, they need to do something because right now, FF14 is always praised as the, out of the big five MMOs right now, they're the one that gets like really, really big thumbs up for like their, their main scenario, right? Mm-hmm. For their, their story. And that's kind of their shtick, right? That's kind of 14's thing right now. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that and, yeah, that and the pretty animations. But the problem is their competitors are actually catching up. There are other companies hiring professional, like, 
authors to come in and Ooh. run their creative teams. Yeah. That's yeah. Like Blizzard just hired Christy Golden, who's been a New York Times bestseller every year oh, wow. for the last like decade. She's done Star Wars. She's done Warcraft novels since Vanilla WoW and Warcraft 3. She's done all kinds of different fantasy stuff. And she's now their creative lead. She's now there doing writing. They develop tech to have your character in the game, just like 14 does. If Square doesn't watch it, there's going to be problems. Oh, and, and, I didn't and, as that. Nate and Yeah, and as Nate and I think Kahlo have talked about previously, you know, ESO, for a single-player experience, also does a fantastic job of storytelling the same way any normal Elder Scrolls game would, would do. So, like, between all these different competitors, like, doing... Uh, you know, better storytelling, hiring professionals to do all this writing, something's wrong here. Not only does there a lack of side stories and world building, but the main scenario, as is seen by popular opinion, right? Like Stormblood, is getting weaker and weaker and weaker. Yeah, <laughs> that's absolutely correct. I don't know if I have anything else to add to that. That I didn't realize other companies were doing that, and that that does scare me a little bit. I mean, I made sure to say in that like survey that Square Enix put out a little while ago that like there was a whole section that was asking about 14 and I was like, the story is good, but these things are failing. Like, and don't forget the story is what you guys do best. And I hope you guys continue to focus on this. And I hope that they understand that that's like a thing that they really should be shining on. And now people are starting to overtake them. And I feel like if, if other MMOs can now match 14 in story, what does 14 have over them? Cause it's clearly not as raid content. So yeah, I mean, an expansion just launched where the beginning of it was multiple cutscenes, more than the ga a game has ever had besides 14 at the launch of like an intro, mm -hmm. uh, had a novel uh, launch telling the innermost like desires and thought processes of the two leaders of factions, had a big oh, in-game cool. event, brought a character back that we haven't seen in years to talk about her dead father and, and like the trouble and conflict she's dealt with over the last 20 years. Brought, uh, brought a whole seaside town and decided to tell stories that would make The Witcher 3, Pirates of the Caribbean, and like H.P. Lovecraft like turn their head because that's basically what they based it on. Oh, like the fact that, that sounds so you're good. Seeing, it, it's, it's fantastic. Basically, the Alliance Zones and Battle for Azeroth are, are a mix of uh, Witcher 3, um, Pirates of the Caribbean, and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. It's, it's, it's incredible. So my point is, uh, and, and again, that's not to knock other MMOs. I know ESO does a great job. I actually dabbled a little bit with ESO playing uh, just solo, kind of through some story quests. Some of that writing is fantastic. Some of it is not. It depends where you go. But overall, pretty good job. Same thing I'd say if I played Skyrim or Oblivion, probably. Uh, but again, even I haven't played much Guild Wars 2, but from the people I know that play it, uh, the living story tends to vary. But even that has some really, really cool story moments although lately a lot of criticism because of the drama that you guys have already talked about um if, if every game keeps improving their storytelling and and games keep adding more and more world building and quest content for the people that are into story and world building and cinematics what's 14 have in the next three years four years I don't see it. Yeah, because that's something that like I continue to play the single player Final Fantasies for is the world building and the characters and the storytelling. And I feel like that's something Final Fantasy games have always had. And yeah, now 14 is getting outshone and I'm just I'm just not sure where it's going to be in a couple years. Like a lot of it's getting predictable. A lot of it's getting silly. A lot of it's being paced poorly. And I just... And, and their competitors are rising up. They're like, oh, you want a game with better, a better main story? Okay, let's work on that. And like, they're creating, they li they're literally having companies, game companies, create tools 
to do the kind of cinema cheap cheaper quicker cinematics that 14 does yeah <sighs> scary it is i'm i'm sad like oh man okay maybe we should just move on before i get too sad um, um well, we'll see where to go in the future yeah i mean that's all we can do and it's just i really want to say that i'll always be there to support and love everything that final fantasy games in general throw at me but i'm i'm legitimately worried honestly i mean don't it's great to love a product it's great to love like love things but don't don't fool yourself right like if if you don't if you don't if something's not working for you don't sit there and struggle right move on to the next thing and and hope that they get better you can still be a fan while while recognizing you don't like something if it sucks take a step away from it for a while and maybe you don't realize that they're screwing up and they'll fix it i hope so but i mean but yoshi p has been quoted in the past saying okay you don't want to play this for a while step away and come back like he's actually said that so i don't know if there'll ever be a way where he realizes people in the chat saying it sounds like there will always be more on the we're giving a eulogy to 14 apparently according to the chat yeah maybe <laughs> rip square enix 14 no yeah yeah anyway um the the next cool apparently thing that happened we're going to go back to the uh, pvp a little bit because there was a blog post announcing the regional prelims for the north american region of the feast tournament um when did they even announce there was going to be a feast tournament like i think it was i think it was either the last live letter or the one before they they talked about it they, okay. they gave the dates out pretty early Basically, it was just, I think they took the, they, they took between a, a certain date range, like July and August something, they took um, the top X teams and they basically went, all right, you guys qualify. Now they have to do an actual tournament with them. Okay. So there wasn't an actual like prelim tournament. It was just like, we're going to look at the ranks for prelims and then have a tournament. Correct. There was no actual tournament yet. But there's going to be. Okay. Because I hadn't actually yes. even heard much about it until I saw this, blo- this like blog post or this post on the Lodestone. Um, but I guess that's kind of cool. There's like three NA teams. I guess it's the three teams for each region. I'm not sure how many regions there are. I know they're going to be announcing the Japanese ones on that 14 hour live stream. Um, they announced the three NA teams, which are synergy six. This isn't three X and trash tears. Those are the three NA teams. I guess that's really cool. I don't know. Do you have, have like when you have feast rankings in the game, do your teams actually have names in 14? Can you name your teams or is it like, I don't I didn't think you could name your feast teams unless they're just like, Hey, what's your team's name? And you, they just like emailed it to them. Yeah. I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I know you, I know there is a system to queue up as a team versus solo, but I right. haven't done that. So then like, so. yeah, I'm not really sure, but, um, I do know apparently according to some people I know who PVP, there were a lot of other teams that had qualified in the top section, but they were doing some illegal stuff and there's actually a uh, a disclaimer on the lodestone page that says teams that were doing like and you know like cheating or win trading or other illegal activities to qualify were disqualified so i'm not sure how many of these three were in the top um before but they were all the ones who were in the top legitimately which is kind of sad that people are still doing shit like that in feast and it kind of turns me away from ever wanting to try it but you know it's it's important to some people to be in be winning these tournaments yeah um i'm just i don't know but is it important enough to like cheat is that something that is needs to be done <laughs> cheating in order to to be to win this i don't know 
no, I don't, I don't, I don't think cheating should need to be done. But I think that if cheating is that common, and win trading is that that common, then Square needs to do something about their system. And if the population is causing the problem to be uh, worse, then they need to get more people in. So they need to convince them somehow, some way, right? That's true. Hmm? Do you have something to say, Arn? Agreed. Oh, agreed. Okay, yeah. So, I mean, I guess that's cool. They're announcing the the three NA teams, um, but that you know that's that's cool. If you guys want to follow that, I mean, I guess I'll try to follow the feast uh, tournament. I won't, I don't know if they're gonna like stream it or anything. I tried looking at the lodestone post for this, and really all I could find was that these three teams have qualified. I could not find like rules for the tournament or dates for the tournament or anything actually pertaining to the tournament. The links at the bottom of the lodestone were just like how to play the feast and where to go to join the feast and what to do because feast is a thing. None of them actually talked about the tournament specifically, so unfortunately I don't have any more information or dates about when this tournament is taking place, but I will try to follow this tournament and hopefully... Hopefully, it will feel like a successful esport. Although, like we said before, it probably doesn't play like, like other MMOs PvP. But I mean, I will say when we did the when we watched the PvP tournament at FanFest, it it was cool. I mean, granted, being at FanFest, there I mean, there's hype and there's you know the whole atmosphere going on. But like Joe never fails was up on the stage. He was narrating like as things you know every time somebody got like a good kill, the entire audience would cheer. Like it felt like an esport. So hopefully at least, even though this PvP is not the greatest compared to other MMOs PvP, hopefully this one will at least, I don't know, get some people hyped up for the feast, or maybe they'll figure out where the, the flaws are and fix it for next time, because I'm assuming that this is a tournament they're going to want to do regularly. Nika, so I was there with you, right, at that fan fest yeah. with the, the Joe Never and the PvP thing. I don't know, we were all excited, weren't we? Yeah, yeah, it was cool. I thought it was cool at the time. Then, two months later, I went to BlizzCon. Uh huh. And I walked in and I went to the WoW PvP finals. I was like, oh, wow, there's like no one here for WoW Arena. It's like a 3v3 deathmatch. It's very similar to Feast. And I was just like, oh, man, I guess this isn't as popular as I thought. But I sat down because there was a, a streamer that was uh, in the finals I wanted to watch. Yeah, within 20 minutes, over 10,000 people filled into that room. They had no seating in the back. Wow. Nothing. And, and it was like a sporting event. They handed out like the clappers and all the other stuff. And people just went fucking wild for like two hours. They handed out clappers? It was, it was oh, dude, everything. They had like, like every, everything. Oh my God. It was ridiculous. Like people just went nuts. There were people wearing t-shirts, like promoting like the, the pros on stage and like uh, people dancing, like jumping up on their chairs. Like it was wild. And they had a, a lot of uh, Twitch streamers were invited to come and shoutcast us. So they were all on stage hanging out. And oh, doing, like, cool. oh, that's sport, really cool. See, sportscaster. And like, well, I do realize that for that uh, FF14 did recognize Joe Never and have him kind of up there narrating. I do feel like a lot of times and like Mr. Happy's gotten connections through it, too. But I feel like a lot of other Twitch streamers that are popular have kind of like 14 doesn't really do a good job of bringing the community in as well. Um, I feel like Elder Scrolls does a good job of that, at least community wise. Like I know people who just are like Twitter users. Like one of my best friends is a really high Twitter user for ESO and she gets like she got invited out to the E3 conference. She got like she gets free swag. Like, you know, it's like they they care about their community content creators. And I feel like 14, you know, has picked a few off the top, but like kind of ignores the rest of us. <laughs> yeah, it definitely feels like Square is not as receptive and it, that could just be because there's more community creators in NA and they're a Japanese company. I'm not really sure. Maybe. But 
Yeah, I'm not really sure. Uh, for example, there's a YouTuber actually out there that does uh, Blizzard stuff. He got invited to do videos for the WoW channel for the returning players and new oh, that's players. That's awesome. Yeah, so he his videos are now actually on the official channel, officially sponsored by Blizz and everything. And it's it's so cool to see like these content creators get that kind of recognition. I just wish we saw more of it from uh, from Square. Yeah, I've been playing Dark Souls, and there's this like guy Vati or whatever on, on YouTube who does a. Uh, dark souls videos and then he had a sponsored one too when the new dark souls remastered came out and there was this whole video that was like actually by that company with uh was it from software and uh and it says like this is made and create in a collaboration with vati from youtube and like had his whole thing and he was doing like an advertisement like legitimately just because he was popular on youtube and i just i feel like 14 really loses that community at least on the side i don't i mean it might just be because they're the japanese company and they do have that they, I feel like Square Enix has always had that, like, we're the stuffiest because we're the biggest and most popular game company. But I don't know if that really means that they shouldn't or couldn't bring in more community people. But I don't know. Oh, well. Awkward. Yeah. Um, we got a blog post about um, an, some more QOL, quality of life stuff coming to the game in 4.4. Um, I'm going to start with the biggest and stupidest one, which is that they are fixing their unexpansion of the expanded inventory. Yay! Like, I can't believe I even had to, to change this in the first place. Like, having all four of your inventory windows visible at once versus now we can only have two visible at once. And for someone who's as ADHD as I am and really need to see everything in my inventory to know that I actually have it because once it's out of sight, it's out of mind. Um, I really need that expanded inventory. It's been causing me a lot of issues. So, yay, that's back. Um, also, a few updates to things like collectibles. You'll be able to see a collectible icon on the item icon itself rather than having to like, hover over it or click on the item to see that it's a collectible. Um, and they're also going to be adding a lot of QL to the mount and minion interfaces um, because, you know, you got a new minion and you want to find it and summon it, but you have no idea where the fuck it is in the entire interface. Um, now you can add mounts and minions to a favorites list. You can see um, there's now going to be a mark on the icon and the tab number to indicate the 10 newest mounts and minions obtained so you can find the newest ones you've obtained. Um, there's also wow. going to be a search function. You can search for the name of the one you want, or if you're not sure what the name of it is, you can type in something like Ananta, and if it's in the description of that mount or minion, it will pop up. That's useful, and at least that's that's good, I guess. Wow. <laughs> And this warranted a blog post? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I mean, the QOL stuff always get a blog post, I feel like, before the expansions, whenever they're like, hey, new QOL things. Is it just me, or do they make a bigger deal out of qu small, tiny quality of life changes than, like, serious issues? Yes. I also agree with that. Because I also feel like the PvP thing could have been a blog post, but instead it was a big lodestone post. So, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Gosh. Okay. Yeah. Um emotes are also going to get a history section as well as a favorites list and they had to make it a big point that it will stay there even after you log out of the game your history of emotes will stay oh because God. a lot of times logging out like resets your stuff in the game nope wow. not for the emote list good job move enough on your on your programming good job um all right now we're gonna talk about something that has been talked about before, but this was another recent article that came out about um, whether or not FF14 would ever be brought to the Switch. Um, we've heard rumors of this before, um, but basically uh, Yoshi P was asked if this will ever be brought to the Switch. Um, and Yoshi P basically says it would be awesome. And he kind of called out big platform companies for separating 
uh, different games and not allowing everyone to be cross-platform. Uh, he has a couple quotes here. His first one says, uh, as to whether we'll see more Square Enix MMOs on a Nintendo platform, we're still in talks with Nintendo. I would love to do that, but for me, my policy is that you need to have cross-platform. You have this giant game, a huge world, and this huge community, and breaking them up by console, it's nonsense. He says, I want everyone to be together, and I've taken this concept to Nintendo, to Microsoft, to Sony, and explained this to them. Hopefully, someday, everybody will join hands, we'll work together, and we'll see FF14 on all of these platforms. We're working on it, we just ask the players wait, but we want to see that day come as well. Um, apparently, recently, uh, Epic and Microsoft have also called out Sony for not allowing Fortnite and Minecraft players to play together across the different systems. Um, so this is now like a big thing that everyone's saying cross-platforming should be a thing that happens. So we'll have to see now if any companies respond to any of this. Um, oh, you mean like it was like 10 years ago? Yeah. Like I want to say like, cause even in MMOs, like Elder Scrolls has PC and nope, PlayStation, nope. right? Uh, they're not, are they cross server? Cross no, I, I, I could talk about that if you want. Basically they're the majority of games that have come out since 2013, basically since PS4 and Xbox one launched mm-hmm. are not cross-platform between right. PC and consoles. Uh, like Elder Scrolls Online, completely different servers yeah, if you're I on thought. a console versus mm-hmm. a PC. Um, and, and, and for even non-MMOs, like Diablo 3 on consoles and PC, completely different. Even some gameplay mechanics were altered uh, because of consoles. And then it's coming out on the Switch, and we all thought because of Epic's announcement, oh, maybe D3, this will be the push, right? make everyone get along since epic is also fighting for it not even blizzard it's like oh yeah no if you're on the switch it's completely different isolated just for switch people yep so like even new titles that aren't going to be coming out for the next six months to a year are still planned to be isolated why (laughs) the the main reason becomes into two parts one infrastructure changes that were already decided when the consoles came out right and and number two policy so the infrastructure thing is just a technical hurdle basically when you have an SDK, right? And you, sorry, guys, this is going to get a little technical. I'll try to do it, be it quick. Uh, wow, that wasn't even English. <laughs> Basically, um, when you develop a, a game, right? Uh, when you develop for a certain platform, whether that's Windows or Mac or a PlayStation 4, you have an SDK. It's like a series of uh, programming libraries that you use to target that platform. And the idea is that in these libraries is also networking stuff, right? So if you want to take advantage of uh, the server that Sony hosts or the servers that Microsoft hosts, you can use those APIs to kind of hook into them. And then there might be some sort of fee or some other program. And and the idea is that you host on their servers. Now you don't have to manage your own servers. You don't have to manage your own infrastructure, blah, 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 blah. The idea is that it's easier for you as a developer because you get to offload all this work to Microsoft or Sony, right? Mm -hmm. Now, the problem with that is that you're then bound to their rules and their policies. If you're hosting on someone else's infrastructure, that's a problem. That's why I think Square had to have a lot of talks with Microsoft um, and about why they're not on their platform and blah, 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 blah. But when it comes to the Sony problem, which is the new thing, this is a whole new layer. This is like, okay, well, even if you take the time to host your own servers and do this and do that, blah, 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 Sony won't allow you to, they won't, they will not publish your game and allow it to run if your servers also communicate with another client on another competing platform. But, seemed, but I feel like even, but FF11 did this and this was so long ago. I feel like that should have set a precedent. It's because they, if they, if they get a consumer on their platform that plays the PlayStation version of the game, they want that person to convince their friend to come play with them. They don't want 
them to be like, oh, well, all my friends have the Xbox one. I have the PS4 one. I guess they'll just sit there on Xbox. I'll sit here and everything's fine. Now that's pro-consumer, that argument. But the, from Sony's perspective, like, oh, but that doesn't make us money. Now they can't convince their friend to come over to our uh, platform and give true. us money. So, I mean, that's that's really, I'm really simplifying it here. There's way more involved, I'm sure. But at a basic level, there's two issues, right? Technical issues, whether, what have you designed it for? Did you design and take the easy way out and hook into this company's server so that you don't have to host it yourself? Or did you design it on your own, but you're just a slave to policy, like is the case with most of the Sony issues? Um, it, it depends on the company, but it's it sucks because even if Sony goes back on their policy, it's going to be very difficult for an MMO like Elder Scrolls or even an online RPG like Diablo 3 to kind of go back on their decision after afterwards because they have already have a separate set of data and servers and adjustments that exist on the console that don't exist on the PC. Mm. And trying to merge all that data over would probably be a logistical nightmare. So I doubt most companies would do it. So even if tomorrow Sony goes, all right, we're moving our policy and Microsoft and Sony work to mitigate any technical issues, it's such an investment for companies to do it that most of them won't or they'll wait till their next title comes out. Yeah, I really doubt a lot of a lot of them would get like retroactively changed. It probably would be newer stuff at this point. But I feel like with such big things like Fortnite and Minecraft, I feel like you're right, it's more pro consumer than pro money. But I just feel like how many times I'm like, oh, I really want to buy this game, but I'm not going to because I'm all my friends play on a different system that I don't have. Like I'm not gonna go buy an Xbox to play one That's game. True. But however, but like I do know people that play some games on Xbox and like, oh, if I could play on, you know, PC or you know, sometimes it's on PC or PlayStation Four I would love to do that, but then I can't, so I don't buy the game at all. Right, and that's great for you, and that's great for the game developer, because that means you get a great experience, and the game developer, the, the company that actually developed it, gets to make money, but that sucks for the OEM. That's Or not OEM, that's a hardware manufacturer, right? right? So that right. sucks for Sony or Microsoft or whoever, or Nintendo even. Yeah, That's the problem. The, di- the difference is Nintendo and Microsoft seem to be slowly embracing this, this idea of like, hey, let's stop being so rigid and let's allow this, because in the long run, more people might might use our systems if we're if we luck out right if we right. the idea is that if you allow cross-platform but you push that your system is better overall mm-hmm. then then you still win out you don't care that they are playing with people on other systems but uh sony doesn't feel that way yet i guess and maybe they know some statistics we don't you know it's because they're stuffy know. japanese people too and i'm just kidding <laughs> No. I mean, hey, Nintendo's open to it. So that's I mean, that's weird. true. That's true. But Nintendo, I feel like, has always had a more like, we just want no. people to play games. Maybe not. I don't know. No, they've been more Nintendo's rigid. Nintendo's been xenophobic as hell, too. I mean, I that's true. Say, I do know Nintendo, it's really hard to get the rights for music and stuff. I know, like, Marching Band, we really wanted to play Nintendo music, and they would, like, would not sell the rights to bands to do it. Or if they would, it was, like, super fucking expensive. Look at look at the friend system on the 3DS, and then tell me Nintendo's been open. Okay, to that's true. That's true. <laughs> I guess I always just look at Nintendo with these goggles of like, oh, they're the family system. They love everyone. But I guess from the nitty gritty business side of it, it's not really like that. Yeah, Nintendo is not not nearly as uh, as friendly with uh, certain modern practices as you would think. They're only just starting to become, and that's with the popularity of the Switch. In the chat, Mr. Eggdishes is saying that Nintendo hates streamers. Is that like it's Mim, isn't it? Is that true? Is that his? Oh, it's maybe Mim. it is. I don't know. Hi. That was a thing with Let's Players is that they're very copyright loving with uh, Let's Players. Yeah, I guess I haven't. I can't admit that I watch a lot of Let's Plays, especially Nintendo ones. The, the Let's Players are basically free advertisements. I don't know why anyone would hate them. It's because if 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 your game is 
story driven or in a really pessimistic way what if your game kind of sucks then unfortunately if, if someone sees it early then they may not buy it because either a story's been spoiled or they realize the game is bad and then now they don't buy it so you can look at it both ways you can look at it as a positive or a negative it's all just what your perspective is yeah that's true so probably probably a lot of the competitive type games embrace streamers a lot more probably because that yeah, gets I mean, more people to play but to, to be fair with most nintendo games if i see them play someone play it i'm probably going to buy it because nintendo does make decent games most of the time right but if your game is just fairly story driven and someone can just watch a let's play and then not feel the need to buy the game well then when would nintendo make story driven games yeah, but at the end of the day, That's Nintendo true. has been really open with third parties. Look at Octopath Traveler and all the other indie stuff coming out now, right? Mm -hmm. The closest like that, thing to story-driven Nintendo game is Zelda, and Zelda is Zelda's a mess. Right, but we're, talking, but we're talking about Nintendo as a publisher right now, not as a developer. So if you, if you talk to them as a publisher, a lot of their developer, developer studios that are publishing with them are, are making RPGs or story-driven action games, right? So you got to be careful. Like, look at Atlas. I mean, they're not on Nintendo. They're Sony. I know we're pivoting a bit, but, like, like it, it makes sense. If you make an RPG or something that's story-driven, it makes sense. Yeah, Atlas and was, like, blocking people from like streaming it. in Persona 5 past a certain point because of spoilers, and they don't want anyone to stream that, and they were, like, C and Ding you if you were streaming past a certain point in the game. It was really silly. <laughs> I mean, I do understand it to a point, though, because, like, they want people to go buy it, but I feel like it was also limiting their content creators who are also sitting there like, I love this fucking game, go buy it. And then, like, no, but we won't let you stream it, because, ha. I don't know. I'm not streaming. Yeah, so TLDR, Yoshi P wants cross-platform. Multiple development studios want cross-platform. Consumers want cross-platform. Sony says, fuck you, and even if they did allow it there's still going to be some technical issues we do have an xbox 14 version right now don't we no it's 14 only exists on playstation 4 and pc and mac and the mac client shit oh i thought it was on xbox no that's remember i was mentioning the technical problems cough uh, cough that's yeah, that's what okay. you're yeah, dealing with switch powerful enough to do 14 this, that's well that's a whole nother story but technically yes it would just look like shit because they'd because have they have to tone down the particle effects and the shadows. Because and looking light. at like Breath of the Wild, plugging it into the TV, like there was, I don't remember which way it went now, but like uh, one of them, it looked really good. And then like, if, I can't remember if it was the TV or the handheld version, but then the other one looked crappier. TV always will look better because when it's, when the switch is plugged in, it devotes uh 30%. I'm sorry. When the switch is not plugged in, when you're using it as a handheld, the CPU or GPU, one of them down clocks 30%. And usually that's why in handheld mode, the developers choose to run at 720, whereas when plugged in, they'll tend to run their games at 1080. That's the reason. Because their CPU or GPU is 30% slower when in handheld mode. And the reason for that has to, a lot to do with one, power consumption, and number two, heat. The hardware mm. in a Switch is essentially an extremely high-end Android tablet, but running a Nintendo operating system, not a crappy Android OS, so it's very efficient. It's just the hardware is roughly equivalent to like a really, really souped-up NVIDIA Shield or tablet or a very, 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 very high-end like Android tablet. That's basically the hardware in a Switch right now. So it can run a lot of stuff and it can run it very smooth, but the developers have to work a lot to optimize it. And on top of that, you know, they are gonna have to turn down things like shadows, lighting. Uh, if you have a lot of people on screen, I don't know. Like, that's the thing. We'd have to see some benchmarks for the Switch to see how it handles when there's, um, 
a certain amount of models on the screen at once, right? Because that's really the problem with an MMO, that and like yeah, networking. Yeah, true. Like, how could you do like big hunts when they first come out on the Switch? I feel like that would just crash everything. Yeah, I mean, it just won't load. Yeah, but in terms of uh, CPU, GPU, and, and memory, uh, based on the specs that I've seen, yeah, I think the Switch can do fine as long as they tone the settings down. But that's the problem. If they do that, they chose to do that, they'll run into the same issue they're eventually going to have with the lower end version of the PS4 and the same issue they previously had with the PS3 is that you're limited to an extent by your lowest common denominator when you go across platform. So bumping up system requirements is going to be very difficult without killing off a platform eventually like they had to do with the PS3. Yeah, that's a good point. So yeah, this, is yeah. this is something PC developers don't really have to worry about, right? Cause they just, right. they wait a couple of years and then they bump up the minimum requirements a little yep. bit and they bump up the recommended a lot and by that time, 99% of their player base has moved on to better hardware, so they don't true. care. Yeah, that's very but, true. Yeah. All right. Uh, before we go into our next news story, we do have a caller for the first time. So I'm going to bring our caller up here. Uh, we have, uh, let's see, Shinjima from Genova, who wants to speak about uh, Eureka. Shinjima, are you here? Hello. I don't know if he's muted. I'm not sure how this uh, works. Shinjima? He says he's muted. I don't know. He was working a second ago. Hey, there. Hi. What's up? Hi. Welcome, Shinjima. You wanted to talk about Eureka. Welcome to the show. Yeah. Hey, uh, I guess I wanted to talk about it because it's a hot topic right now. Sure. Everyone's, everyone's got an opinion on it, I guess. So, so what's um, yours? I just wanted to say, basically, there's, there's a few things, but first of all, I guess I'm, I personally thought Pagos was a step up from Animos. Um, I know people don't like mob grinding. And I agree that like chain 30 is a bit too high. They should probably lower it, maybe half chain 15 or something. Well, the and first year Eureka did chain 32, didn't it? Yeah, but, uh, but you know, like I guess people's complaints on the chain is like it's, it's way too exhausting uh, to like be going all the way up to 30 and having to keep pressing abilities and stuff, um, which I don't have a problem with. Like, I don't really understand this whole carpal tunnel thing. It didn't really bother me, um, mostly because I don't spam the buttons really hard. But like, uh, can you, How can you with a two and a half second global I was gonna say 14 right? is still pretty slow, though, yeah. compared to other MMOs that have a much shorter global cooldown. I don't feel like... Are people actually bitching about having to go up to chain 30 because they're getting tired of clicking buttons? That's a thing. Yeah, that is. That is. It's a thing. Uh, I, as a wild player, fuck all of you for complaining about that. <laughs> you have no right. Yeah, honestly, because I see people, I think it's because I see people like they spam the button constantly to make sure that they hit the GCD, but it doesn't really make any sense. Anyway, that's a side topic, but I don't know. But the main thing I, I um, didn't like was the community was sort of like, they're like, you know, we don't like Pagos, so just bring back Animos again and make it a an M train. And I understand people want different ways of leveling, and I don't think the mob chain should go away. But here's one fix. Not, not, one fix that you, Nika, I know you played Eleven, right? So you, yeah. you'll be familiar with it. You'll you be familiar with it. Uh, Fields of Valor, okay? Fields of Valor inside Eureka will... It'll make mob chain go faster 
because you'll get that bonus from Wait, Fields of Valor was a little book so you click on and you'd pick objectives, right? Yeah. So it's essentially like the challenge log though. We have a challenge log which has stuff like that, like kill thirty ice elemental stuff. It's kinda like I know, but I'm saying I'm saying like that's the weekly thing, but I think there should be like like a either make the challenge like a uh, fields of valor inside Eureka because that's what they were saying they wanted different game systems Mm -hmm. that weren't 14 right right and yeah it wasn't 11 but fields of valor wasn't in it hasn't been in 14 yet so you just like make it it could be a daily fields of valor or it could be like you can only do five pages a day or something but it would it would make the it would fix three things right so it would make mob chain groups go faster because you get the bonus. It would allow for a viable solo option. And uh, you could have something do while you're in the NM train if that's how you want to level, right? So, because personally, I don't like the NM train, but I just think instead of add, instead of them, what I didn't like was they, they are trying to promote the NM train and you still do have to grind because of lights and stuff. But instead of add, uh, taking something away, they should add more systems inside Eureka. That's just my thought. I agree. And You're right. I think if, if Eureka had more daily things you could do, like you like every time you log into Eureka, there's a different objective you can go do. And some of them maybe could be done solo. Some of them made a small group. And I think that way it would get me logging into Eureka every day, even if it didn't give me... Um, XP necessarily if it gave me crystals or gave me lights or gave me something that I could just log in and do maybe if I don't have the full so many hours until I get kicked out of Eureka I just want to go in there real quick before I got to go to work or whatever um, and I can go in do an objective and leave I feel like that would get a lot more people playing it and that is a nice alternative to doing the NM train I do agree with you there yeah, and also uh, Pagos crystals suck. They should there should be other ways to get Pagos crystals, and the bunny like they should maybe get Pagos crystals from the bunny fates. That would be good from the chest. Yeah, because nobody does the bunny feet, and the bunny feet's a good idea to have a bunny to get treasure and stuff, but nobody wants to do it because it doesn't give XP and it's really long. Yeah, it doesn't give anything worthwhile. Like if it gave some lights or something, and if it gave Pagos crystals, I think people, a lot more people would do it. And as far as experience points, like I said, I think they should increase the one thing is decrease the chain to like 15, but triple the experience points for mobs that you kill and the bonus. Mm -hmm. So instead of like making people slog through to chain 30 and another problem with that is like if an NM pops, then you have to ruin your chain 30. You got to run to it, right? Yeah. That's true. I think what they should, what people should be asking for instead of, that's my main issue is people should be asking for tweaks and, and additions instead of just wanting the NM train back again. That's my biggest disappointment. Yeah, I agree. So that's about all I have really to say on Eureka. And I, I hope the next part is better and I hope they add things instead of But I just feel like it. we said this we said that about Anima as well. This is a good start. I hope the next one is better. And now this one like literally just came out and we're already saying the same things about the next Eureka. Well, here. me personally, like I said, I didn't, I had no, I thought Pagos was fun. Like I just did it casually two to three hours a day and I just hit 35. Uh, oh, yesterday. wow. So, yeah. I haven't say let's dump all of this and have me grind 8 million creation and uh, go through 50 million dungeons again. Like, like uh, the anima. 
I mean, yeah, that's annoying. Yeah, I want to say Eureka is more fun than the old relics, but I disagree. <laughs> really? Yeah. Why? Because it's, I felt like I was doing something. Like, think about it this way: it, the old system got you to do content that people at least mildly enjoyed, right? I mean, even if the dungeons are easy, at least the first couple times you do them, people are like, oh, okay, these are fun. You got to think a little bit, right? All right, you got a tank, got a healer, DPS, whatever. If that devolved into, which it sounds like it did, because in the first and second Eureka now, if that devolves into just, hey, I'm going to walk up to this giant group of people and just kind of sit on my ass and wait like 20 minutes until something spawns, blow it up and run to the next one. Yeah, that's uh, that's not content. Yeah, that's... Yeah, exactly For me... The worst part of the NM train is you don't need a hundred plus people killing trash mobs. Yeah. It's really, really like if you people say, uh, well, hey, don't be an AFKer then in the NM train. But I'm like, well, it doesn't really make sense to have a hundred people killing trash mobs now, does it? Like some of those people might as well just go AFK because they have really nothing to do. And I personally don't like the old relic, like the light step. I remember doing Garuda like two. Oh yeah, times. that was annoying. Or, oh, yeah, like I'm I'm glad not to not be doing that anymore. Yeah, and and you know, Pagos for me was basically it felt like you just go out with a small team of people and you explore the map and you know, yeah, you're grinding mobs, but you gotta, I don't know, it it did really reminisce of. Uh, Final Fantasy XI experience points parties where you, where you, that's what you do, right? And yeah, I think there could be improvements still on Pagos, but I thought it was a step up from Animals, personally. Yeah, I mean, when you're comparing grinds, it's I think it's probably I don't think either option's good, but I think it's probably better to be constantly pulling enemies and, and hitting buttons and doing content and being quote-unquote engaged than it is to just sit there for a while waiting for something to happen, hitting a few buttons and walking to the next objective and waiting again. You know what I mean? I think it's just... Yeah, that's true. Me. Yeah, you shouldn't have to wait around for content. It just doesn't make sense. I agree. I agree with what you said, Strafe. I, I agree. Uh, yeah. Maybe. Okay, then all we can say is I hope the next one will be better at this point. I mean, they did retroactively change XP, so they realized there was a problem, but they didn't really fix the other problem. Yeah, but... But the problem is with this change, at the end of the day, all they really did is go, okay, well, people want the reward, so we're going to nerf this to get them yep. to the reward. But that doesn't solve the problem. The problem was the content was shit. So since the content was shit and it had problems, instead of actually trying to improve the content, they decided just to let to say, well, people don't like the content, fuck it, make it easy so they can get the reward and move on so they don't hate us. Yeah. Like That's what it feels like. I, I really, you know, I really think they should... Oh, sorry. Uh, I really think they should stand their ground, though, when, with certain things. Like, oh, they've I always like, been pushovers. Well, there was there was a recent interview where Yoshida said he's they're not going to get rid of the chain in uh, in Eureka because you have you still have to chain mobs to get light. Yeah. For your frosted flakes or whatever. There. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, like I don't I don't think the answer is. Like Strife said, I don't think the answer is just revert everything to a glorified fate grind, and that's what it is. Like the NMs, honestly, the NMs aren't very interesting. They're, they're, the, the mechanics on the bosses are not they're not that interesting. They're not much different from grinding mobs, in my opinion. They're just bigger mobs that take more people to grind. So, I mean, that's all I really have to say on the topic. But I think they can add like Field of Valor. I think would be Good, that's a good, a good idea. And 
Yeah, it would it would allow for a solo option, you know, like someone yeah. just wants to go in. But, yeah. But wouldn't it be better instead of that to just do quests or like dynamic quests that pop up similar to Fates that have tangible rewards? That would also be cool. But you can, right. but you can do those too. You could do those too. You don't have to remove anything. You could keep NMs. You could keep mob grind. Oh, I didn't say remove. I didn't say remove. Yeah, yeah but Square Enix probably is like, oh well, we don't need that, <laughs> that much stuff happening in there. So we'll, we, the next one, we'll get rid of, you know, NMs and only put in this. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like their oh. mind is pretty skewed. But thank you very much for the call, Shinjima. I really appreciate it. Um, All right, but, thanks, guys. Yep. And remember, if uh, if you want to call Limit Break Radio today, we're only doing calls on Discord. I don't know if, how much time we'll have for calls we're getting close to the end here but maybe one more person uh slash discord um, we've got like two more news stories and a discussion i don't know how much we're going to get into in the next 20 or 30 minutes but um i did want to mention that it was finally announced that the uh fan fest merch pre-sale thing has finally been announced that it's actually happening because you know for all of us who did go to fan fest last time that merch line was a shit show and uh, they got it. They got their shit together by the time they got to the European Fan Fest, where they you were allowed to pre-order merchandise and then pick it up at the event. So they have announced now that they should. They said they're currently sending out pre-order codes. I have not received mine yet. If anyone in the chat is actually who's going to Fan Fest has received your pre-order code, let me know because like they say they're currently sending out, and I haven't gotten mine. I'm just getting a little nervous. That's all. Um, but apparently, Bye. what? By, by the way, shout out to Dark Flux for the 19-month resub. Really appreciate that, dude. I'm sure Nika and the, and the hosts uh, really, really Oh, I didn't even that. see that. Thanks. Yeah, that's a big, big resub. Um, the pre-orders are going to start on August 30th and will end on September 12th. And then whatever is not bought through the pre-sale will be sold at show. Um, I'm hoping... And you can even pick up your shit on Thursday, which is actually the reg day and not even an item day. So, like, that's going to eliminate the on-site merch line incredibly. So, I'm really, really excited that they're actually doing this. Um, I wanted to, like, bring up a... Uh, like the actual merch yeah there we go i'm going to bring it up on the stream i'm going to show it real quick just scroll through the merch a little bit um the fan fest specific t-shirts are kind of cute this year like they have the uh cute little fan fest festival celebrating t-shirt and this really cool yugiri and hien t-shirt i thought those were really cool um this yotsuyu t-shirt with the cool smoke that comes out and like makes a little tsukiyomi bunny ears and this cool like Shinryu Final Fantasy that lo looks like something that came out of a totally different game, but it looks really cool. Sponsored stream. <laughs> I mean, it looks like Shit. it. Like the Shinryu, the Shinryu shirt. It, it, like it says Final Fantasy and like this epic flame writing and it's this dragon. Like it doesn't look like a Final Fantasy, but it's really cool. I like it. All right, I like the Shinryu one. It's cool, right? And then the Yugiri and Hirian one, I really like too. I'll probably buy that one. Um, then we've got like this fat Chocobo hoodie. I don't. I don't know. I probably won't buy that one. That's kind of silly. I don't know. Um, a cute little tote bag where instead of Namazus, you've got like minions, um, a fat chocobo hat. Of course, the Eorzea Encyclopedia number two, which we know was sold out. I'm so mad. The last fan fest, I was in line. I was like 10, 20 people from the front, and then the, the first encyclopedia sold out. I'm so mad. So thankfully, we can pre order that now. Um, they have these little glow stick things like from the the emotes you can do one side says fan fest one side says the primals i'm so mad because uh, some of us from the uh final fantasy 14 like fan fest cosplay page bought a bunch of these on amazon and now there's like official fan fest ones i'm really bummed because i would have bought that one if i had known because they're like the exact same price whatever cute little otter otter plushie um a harsha font silver pendant which is really awesome but of course it's 270 dollars because it's like legit silver um but for any of you who are going to buy that awesome 
Um, there's a cute little plushie of Alpha from Omega Raid. I already have a Chocobo Dungeon plushie, so I probably won't buy this Alpha plushie, but he's cute. Remember, remember guys, Squarenix is a, is a small, budding indie company. They can really use your support. <laughs> yeah, by hacking up all... I mean, a lot of this is really expensive. They have Moogle ears and Moogle cap. I might buy... Maybe buy one of those. Maybe not. I don't know. It's kind of expensive for a hat. I actually, I might be able to make a Moogle hat myself. So thirty-two dollars is a little steep. If you don't buy this stuff, they might have to go down to one dungeon every. Oh patch. No, no! Well, some patches guys. already are one dungeon. All proceeds go to the next dungeon. Yeah, and they have this this friggin' hat. It's like a hat. It's a muffler scarf. Like it goes around your neck. It's really cute. Um, I don't know if there's a different view. Oh, it like goes onto your hands. Maybe are there little hand things down there? I can't really tell. It's cute. Um, there's carbuncle slippers. Carb yeah, carbuncle slippers. slippers. Yeah, so you oh, know how shit. I bought the Moogle ones at the last fan fest? I was yeah. wearing them around. Yeah, so now they've got the carbuncle slippers. Um, carbuncles I, are the superior ones. I know. It's so, like, I really want them, but I'm like, and I do wear my Moogle ones all the time, but like, do I want to spend another $40 on slippers when I already bought Moogle ones last time? I don't know. I might, honestly. I'm not really sure. Um, they have these, I don't even know how to pronounce the car caravine. Are those little clips that like hook on your backpacks and stuff? Is that what these are? I don't know. Carabiner? How do you say that? Carab carab <laughs> I can speak and read things clearly. Um, they have just a couple job classes. I don't know why they don't have all of them. Dragoon, Paladin, Black Mage, and Ninja. But this I'm definitely buying. Ice tray. FF14 job class ice tray. This is legit, and I want this really bad, and I'm totally buying this one, and I'm going to have like all my parties with like job class ice cubes. Super cool, right? Because I host so many parties. <laughs> Not really, but I love this ice cube tray so much. Um, really cool mouse patty thing. Um, and I'm a little bit bummed that you get like the entire set of posters here. I already have the, um, at the first fan fest, I bought the Scions one as a wall scroll. When I was in Japan, I bought the Heavensward one as a wall scroll. So I really want the Stormblood one as a wall scroll, but that doesn't seem to be a purchase option. Maybe it'll be like at fest or something. I don't know. I'm sad about that. They have the See the Best of Blu-ray song from all the ones that are voted on. It says the cover art is currently not final, so there's no image of that. And then a bunch of towels. These ten Tengui towels. Uh, they have Moogle towel, Carbuncle towel, and Fat Cat towel. All of these things are up for sale for pre-order. And I'm wondering if pre-order also has a set amount. Like if so many people buy the... Um, the book if they can sell out and pre-order or if like everybody who pre-orders one by september whatever then they will make that many i don't know because they said whatever doesn't sell out will then be available at the festival but they haven't really said what that's going to be so i don't know but i'm excited for that and yeah all right so now getting into one of our discussions the last announcement that we have to make within the uh Within the 14 news, this is the very last thing. We've been in news the entire show, but this uh, does move into a discussion. The Rising Anniversary event has come back to 14. Um, it starts today, actually. It should be going already, although earlier it was apparently not active when it was supposed to be. Um, and it's supposed to last until September 17th. Oh, today being August 26th. So if you listen to this on the podcast, it should have already been going for a couple days. Um, it's going to go till September 17th, starts in Ulda, and you can get the Revolutions Orchestrian role, wind up Serena, and then here is where the salt starts flying. The other two rewards are the Manderville earrings and White Raven's earrings, which up until now were 1.0 exclusive. The other day, Fusion X at Gamerscape posted an article on Gamerscape 
um, and put it on Facebook, of course, also, that uh, talking about how he's worried that if they're putting 1.0 stuff into the game now, what does that mean for other 1.0 exclusive items, such as the tattoo or the legacy chocobo or legacy gubu? Um, we did already get a gubu mount in this game, and they're barely any different, so that's kind of a thing. But what does this mean for the future of this game? Um, I want to get your guys' opinions on this a little bit. Like, do you think that it's okay that they're putting 1.0 exclusive stuff? Is this kind of devaluing the effort and uh, of those of us who play since 1.0 and our legacy players? Or is this, I mean, they're just earrings in the end, so they're not that big of a deal. But I mean, I, mean, I, I think at the very least it should have been recolors. But in general, as long as a certain amount of time passes, I don't think it's necessarily all doom and gloom. If they re-release old content, I think that's kind of nice for the players who weren't around back then be not due to no fault of their own. Like they didn't know that the game existed or whatever. But at the, on the other side, they should have something that shows that you were there. I've always been a big fan of things like titles being uh, the things that you retain. I'm not sure how I feel about random pieces of gear being exclusive. I think that if it's gear, they sh it's okay. But maybe they should have done a recolor instead. I don't know. I I, I don't think it's as big of a deal as, as other people think. Probably. I, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal at all. I mean, like if I spent all those hours farming the ponies when they were irrelevant, should I be mad that now anyone can sell ODX Brownies? I mean, no, I would. But I, mean, I didn't I mean, actually that's do that. One way of looking at it. I mean, the content in MMOs generally things are relevant for the duration of an expansion, and then they're not. Yeah, I actually think it's less fair that this gear is unavailable to players who just didn't happen to play at that time. Yeah, like nothing's worse than joining an MMO one or two expansions or more in and then realizing that there's stuff from back in the day that you'll never be able to achieve. And again, I think it's one thing if it's a title, but so many people are into collecting either mounts, pets, or certain pieces of gear to, to Glamour or Transmog or whatever that I think it's important uh, to let at least general collectibles still be earned for the most part. Um, that being said, there is something to be said about exclusive mounts and titles and things like that. I don't know. I'm, I'm honestly conflicted on this issue. I don't know. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard. Like there was someone in one of the Facebook threads that had suggested maybe it has like another word after it. So like when you check someone, like there's always something to be said about gear lust or like wanting something someone else has and not being able to obtain it. It's kind of cool for those people. So like if you click on someone, it should say something like you know replica or like you know it's yeah. name or it's, it's slightly different it's kind of like when you get an achievement and there's a date on when you earn the achievement yeah that separates you from the people who just kind of went back and got it later when it wasn't relevant yeah i think that's something like that is needed here i mean i will yeah. say though too i played 1.0 but i don't think i ever got either of these things um I think I never finished the Hildebrand quest at 1.0, and then the White Raven's earrings were from beating like a harder version of Nail, I think. I, I saw someone when I was playing a Realm Reborn who had the earrings, and he said that it was from the hard mode uh, Nail fight. Yeah. I don't know if I realized there was a hard mode because at that point, like a lot of my friends weren't playing anymore. And I ended up like even getting the, the story mode version of the nail fight. Um, I was only able to beat that during an extra life stream. And I remember like spending multiple hours in old Dodge, just like shouting for help on it because you couldn't, there wasn't, you know, duty finder, party finder shit. And it, it took a really long time because that fight was actually really hard. So like once I actually got a group, like whether or not we killed it was another story. And I mean, the win, the prize for that was the Dalamud horn, which is a really cool exclusive item. And you know, the whole thing back then was Dalamud was the thing that came down in Bahamut and everything came out. And I just feel like 
I actually would be really salty if they put the Dalamud Horde in to this game just because I'm very proud of like how long it took me to actually kill that and it was a unique reward for beating the story in 1.0 and there is no way to beat the story in 1.0 anymore and I would be kind of sad if now everybody has that because like I, I it's glowy and it's cool and so people are like oh where'd you get that and I was like oh I got it in the 1.0 story I'd be really sad now if everybody could get that I think I think the important the best thing they can honestly do is because I just realized they actually don't even do it now is they need to attach like dates and timestamps to achievements and tie these kind of exclusive or timed rewards that that to would, achievements. Yeah, that would be a big help yeah. actually thinking about. Yeah. I never even thought about that. Yeah, well, I hate I hate to compare it, but like like over in WoW we have a thing called feats of strength and legacy achievements. So whenever things are removed, that you can still link and show people like, hey, look what I got back on X date. Mm. So they need something like that. I'm like, and I know a lot of people. All your skills up to 400. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of people, though, are saying, like, oh, well, the legacy people should just be happy that they pay $3 less every month. And, like, okay, true, but that doesn't show anybody. Like, nobody else can tell that I pay that. Like, it's not a thing yeah, you, that I can show off. Right. You need some sort of prestige unless you're going to carry so, around your monthly receipt. Right. So we have, like, the legacy tattoo. And I think that would be the worst one. Like, give all my items away, but don't give everyone a legacy tattoo. Um, just because like and that's even still it's hidden in most of the gear that I'm wearing right it's not like it's always there but I still feel like that's something that really like because if your character was created like that's almost like a, a brand like you were created during 1.0 and they stamp you with an iron brand and I feel like that being put out to everyone and like there's a lot of people that are worried they're just going to stick the legacy tattoo in a rising event or in the cash shop and then everyone's going to get it and I, I like I wanted to say yes I'm just happy with my sub being cheaper but that tattoo is like special it's like part of my identity as a 1.0 created character i feel like legacy rewards for being a legacy player that should stay exclusive just because you put up with their shit <laughs> during that time so but like things that you did a fight that doesn't exist anymore i feel like well if they put the fight back in the way it was then everyone's gonna sell and get the item so why not just give the item anyway i guess I don't know. We might be able to take another caller if somebody uh, would like to weigh in on this as well. We can move on to our next little discussion point for the last, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the show. But um, if anyone has another opinion um, of, of this, we would love to discuss whether or not you agree that, you know, the 1.0 item should stay in 1.0 or if you think that they should be available for everyone, uh, call and let us know. Uh, just uh, com slash discord. Um, speaking of World of Warcraft, uh, we do have, you know, I'm a little bit curious. Um, right now, 14 is at what? So 1.0 is its own monster, but we got A Realm Reborn, we got Heavensward, we got Stormblood. So it's looking at its third expansion now, and it has not changed from its cookie cutter format, like, at all. It's, you know, the same 24-man raids, the same circle boss room raids, the same everything. And we've, But now we get less dungeons per thing. Like, it's it's getting smaller almost, but it's the same formula and and we hate it and everybody hates it people are bashing it all over the place um but yet from what i hear like world of warcraft all you know was known for shaking it up for changing for for putting a new new spin on it every expansion but from what i'm hearing and strife you'll have to kind of back me up on this one um it's it seems like the newest wow expansion isn't really that much different from the last one and it's still fairly formulaic so but they're still getting praise for for their version of the expansion for their you know following the formula that's working 
And so we have Yoshi P who's saying our formula is working. We're not going to change it and gets bashed on. Whereas World of Warcraft is like, this is a great formula. Let's continue it. So looking at the next expansion, like I'm sure we'll get a new expansion announcement at FanFest this year. Where, what, I mean, like what do we, what do we do going forward so that Final Fantasy 14 can also be praised like WoW is for following their formula? Right. So I would say yes, more so than in previous expansions, there are less changes in Battle for Azeroth from Legion compared to previous ones but there's still some noteworthy stuff um and i think the reason that they're getting praise is because they did something in legion in legion it was almost like they cracked the code like for end game content specifically mm-hmm. like what what happened was for many years just to kind of summarize you know vanilla wow bc was blizzard trying to find themselves and figure out what an mmo was supposed to be because they were originally just trying to base things off of everquest and the other mmos out at the time right and yeah. they we're kind of playing catch up with the fact that they were so popular. And then in wrath, they finally were like, okay, let's finish telling some of the stories we had in our previous games. Cause they were an existing franchise. And, and let's kind of build on that and, and start fleshing out storytelling a little cataclysm. They decided, okay, everything's out of date. We, we were playing catch up for the so many years. Let's just redo the world and destroy it and tell this big epic story that had both successes and failures. And they ended up doing a similar to what a realm reborn was where they kind of destroyed their entire vanilla content which was and redid it as like years later, new designs, new quests, everything. So that was interesting. And every time they did these expansions, they changed their engine. It's not the same engine. That's a misconception. Everyone's like, oh, it's a 2004 video game. I'm like, yeah, no, there's nothing under the hood, probably reminiscent of those days. Every two years, they've made drastic changes to the engine the game runs on. And then, you know, Missa Pandaria was controversial, but they, but that was when they, the modern WoW, I feel like started was either Cataclysm or Pandaria. And what they did there was they came in and they basically went, okay, look, the game runs on a somewhat modern engine now. The art styles are new. We have really good artists. Let's do some storytelling. So they started creating new technologies to do new things and new techniques, and they just kind of expanded it from there. And at this time, people, they had a split in their community. Casual dungeon runners who just wanted to kind of zerg a dungeon, AOE everything down, and then the more hardcore people who wanted dungeons to feel more like raids. And they still had casual players who were getting fatigued from doing daily quests and that was their only end game content right so you have these all these different groups vying for what they think they should be doing at level cap right mm-hmm. should we be blowing through a dungeon should we be uh doing something that's difficult should we be just sitting here and doing 25 dailies every fucking day and logging back on the next day <laughs> feeling like feeling like if i don't log in i won't be able to catch up and following that expansion they had their worst expansion ever they had warlords of draenor where they decided we're going to do incredible storytelling and then we're not going to release any content and, and that was due to, I think, under the hood, their team uh, expanded and changed and a ton of internal conflict happened around that time. And there's interviews you can go read about that. But uh-huh. the point is, they came out of that expansion knowing, OK, we know what to do. We know what not to do. And we found the formula. People need content during an expansion, not just at the beginning, but there has to be enough at the beginning them to sink their teeth in there's we know who our different types of players are overall in the player base we think we have this and when they came out with legion in 2016 they found this formula they said okay here's what we'll do you know how we have fates in 14 and the fates Uh what are the rewards what are the rewards nika um xp no max level uh tomes and grit seals and i don't know (laughs) yeah nothing yeah, not nothing of wor- of worth, right? I only ever do fates when I'm leveling because what's the point afterwards? Ah, see. So what they decided to do is they decided, okay, instead of doing a daily quest every day, 
they released a system called World Quest where they said, okay, this is going to be it's kind of like Fates. All these quests will appear all over the zones periodically when you're max level. Um, they'll last for a couple hours, and every three or four hours, we'll do like a refresh on the server and see if new quests need to appear. And the idea is that some of them will last days, some of them will last hours. It, it varies. Some of them will reward you with some sort of resource. Others, gold, which is their currency. Others is going to be reputation, because you can grind out reputation with factions to earn endgame content. And others will actually just drop gear, if in case you need gear, up to a certain point. Mm -hmm. So they developed that system for Legion, and it just took off. And what they did is they had emissary quests show up each day that just said, go to this zone and do four world quests for this faction and get a bonus reward. But that'll sit there for three days so that you can leave the game for up to three days without feeling like you've gotten behind on anything and kind of queue it up. So this way, you don't have any daily quest fatigue and these quests are always changing. They're not the same things every day. But so does, you don't have to do it exact... does, but eventually the same quest cycle back around, right? Or... Yeah, but it's not the, every single day doing right. the same things. Okay. It's, yeah, next week you see the same quest you were doing like six days ago, sure. But like, you, you, it's not on a fixed schedule either. It's very dynamic. Mm -hmm. And Every and every week, there's also a world boss that spawns that you can do as a weekly, right? So there's the different things they tried out. Oh, variety. Then, yeah, variety, <laughs> exactly, and lots of it. There's literally, I think, the expansion had something like four, maybe like a couple thousand quests compared to like Heaven's Words eight hundred, like what was it, eight hundred thirty or something? They said in the interview. Yeah, something. So, like so that. BFA and Legion have both had a couple thousand each, and then on top of that. Um, you make a new character, right? You don't switch jobs. So that means they're all available to you whenever you're leveling up on all your characters. You don't have, you're not losing out when you switch to your next character. Um, and then if you, on top of that, the world quest system has a few hundred, if not thousand, a thousand quests, right? So when you add all that content together, you're like, wow, for a casual player, if I just wanted to quest forever, I could. Right. Now on the other side, dungeons. All right. So they were trying to figure out do we just zerg them down like they did back in Wrath of Lich King? Do people want really hard dungeons like they had in the early days of WoW or in Cataclysm? And they decided mm, people want a lot of things. So they give you these very easy dungeons to do while you're leveling up and when you first hit level cap called normal mode. And the idea is you do those to complete a story, right? So you get to mm -hmm. the end of a quest line and they streamline their questing too. So you go through the story, you get to the end of a quest line and at the end there's this quest and it says, hey, we have to take this guy down go to the dungeon you're like all right cool this is the big payoff so you go into the you queue up for the dungeon you go through it it's not too hard boom you're done and then once you've completed that you get huge xp blah 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 blah. eventually you get good enough gear you do heroic dungeons these are your average dungeons that you do at end game like kind of what we do in the roulette for tomes right and then you're like okay cool these are kind of mo anywhere from easy to moderately difficult whatever and then finally, they have mythic dungeons for the people who want to be hardcore. These require either crowd control or very high-end gear. And then they have that keystone system where you do a mythic dungeon, you get a keystone that says level two, and all of a sudden you're doing speed runs where the dungeons have Diablo-style random effects and the health and damage of all the enemies, trash and bosses included, have been buffed up to crazy levels. And remember, the dungeons aren't all a linear path. A lot of them are, but not all of them. So there's different routes you can take to get through the trash mobs be nice. because right because you have to kill a certain amount of trash too. You can't sneak around all of it to kill the bosses. Uh -huh. It requires you to make sure you go out and pick up X percentage of trash. So people have to theory crap. What's the best trash packs to kill to do the least kill the least amount of trash and still kill the bosses in the quickest amount of time? So it, it engages you in all this gameplay, and they've turned that whole system into an esport now twice. They've had two world championships, at least one, so if not two, speed college running dungeons. 
yeah, Mythic Plus dungeons. Because the idea is you you defeat the dungeon based on how fast you cleared it, you get more rewards. Then every time you clear it, based on how fast you clear it, your keystone picks a different dungeon and gets upgraded in level. Oh, every every level is more health that and damage. Sounds amazing. And at levels two, four, seven, and ten, there's a special affix. And now, because they're so story driven, the new system, which unlocks next week, September fourth, basically. <laughs> At level ten, there will be a special affix that will last the whole season, and it, it's and it's based on what's going on in the raid. So the current raid tier that's out is about this old blood god. It's like this uh, parasite thing, right? So basically, Gahoon is his name. So the the curse of Gahoon or the infestation of Gahoon, I forget the exact name of it, is the affix at level ten. And basically, at, once you hit Mythic Plus level ten or higher, besides all your other affixes. You will always have every week. It will not change this special fix until the season's over. And it's this little mini version of Gahoon will infest different trash packs. And when you start fighting them, two little parasites will fly out. And if you don't kill them, they'll go pull another trash pack and give them a buff. So like it's basically spreading the aggro everywhere. So again, it's a lot of like cool, innovative things they're doing. So now think about this. I haven't even talked about raids yet. So this is just that's true. (laughs) This is just uh you know this is just world quest so and i haven't even talked and about this is all stuff you'd want to do at max level right yes this none of this is while leveling while leveling you have an amazing amount of quest hubs to do side quests they all tell these little stories and there's a certain amount of stories you have to get through this expansion they actually locked two mythic done only dungeons like dungeons that don't have a normal or heroic mode behind you finishing the storylines for certain things so that was really cool it's like a big payoff hmm. and then um so you have to kind of go through like certain storylines to do that, which I thought was pretty cool. FF11 used um, to do some stuff like that. 14 seems to be scared to do that for some reason. Right. Blizzard only did it because uh, I think eventually like six months from now, they'll probably remove that requirement. They never keep things that way. Right. Because they, they eventually, that's the thing. Blizzard but once tends it's not to, relevant anymore, it doesn't really matter. Well, it'll always be relevant for the whole expansion because of the mythic plus system. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. So dungeons will never not be relevant. So with the two mythic dungeons and the other ones, we have 10 dungeons in our queue. So when we queue up for a random dungeon, it's a choice of 10 different dungeons. Not just two. Oh, God. Exactly. So think about that. We have 10 different environments that we could go through. And then if we do Mythic Plus, that keystone, when we clear a dungeon, could change to one of any 10. And And every week. Exactly. And every week, the affixes that happen at level 2, 4, and 7 change. Right. So you don't know what those crazy little effects are going to be. Yeah. Yeah. The 10th one will be the same for a few months until the next raid tier comes out. Then they'll change that for the season. So again, this is just dungeons. That, see, that guys. feels active. Like ch- they change for the season, they change for whatever. Like that feels like the devs are paying attention. Yeah. And, like, and, and every and, and everyone always like tries to figure out the formula so that like Mondays and Tuesdays they're looking at it like, oh, what affixes is it this week? Is this a good week? Is this gonna be a shit week? Like it's always terrifying. Like one of the affixes is uh, skittish tanks deal seventy percent less threat. That's oh a terrifying God. week for a lot of people. But it yeah, could also be a, a fun challenge. Like that. <sighs> see, yeah, for me it's fun. I'm a DPS. For I feel, me it's fun. Yeah, I feel like. 14 looks at this and they think they're doing things, you know, like random right. stuff on each floor. Oh, let's look at a, you know, deep dungeon where they have like, oh, on this floor, you right. can't oh, use Oh, this. that deep dungeon concept. Yeah. about that. So like the thing um, is that the concept was okay. Like we had Nizel Isle and shit in 11. I just feel like they didn't build on it properly because then so, they release heaven on high. And instead of like, honestly, all I needed from heaven on high was different objectives so, on each floor. And instead they didn't change any of that. They just changed a few palmenders and said they made one different room layout and said, yeah, it's different. Let me, let me show you the difference in how Blizzard expanded on a system very similar to what you just said. In Mists of Pandaria, they released technology called Scenarios, where they decided for casual players, instead of dungeons, maybe they, we can do 
three man little missions that were very story driven and fairly easy. You don't, you didn't need to follow the Trinity, like the tank healer DPS. You could just three of whoever would just go in and kind of blow through it. Right. And they took that tech, they learned the lessons from it, what people liked, what people didn't, blah, blah, blah. Now in battle for Azeroth, there's a type of content and this is what Blizzard does, does sometimes it's content that will only exist and will only be relevant for battle for Azeroth. They'll move on to something else, the next expansion, but there's a system called Island expeditions every week. Uh, they pick three different island archetypes. And when you queue up for an expedition with anywhere from one to three people, usually it'll find people. So it's a full three party, three man party. Uh, you go to an island. It randomly generates the enemies on the island, their positions and where this resource is called Azerite. And then it randomly picks three NPCs from the other faction to pilot a boat. And they're going to land at the same time you do. And it is a race to clear the enemies on the island and collect the Azerite before the opposite faction. And there is a normal heroic and mythic mode of that. That seems like and what Eureka should be. Exactly. <laughs> and there is also there is also a PvP mode of that, Are so that the other faction can actually be other players that you're racing to oh, collect all the Azerite from. That's cool. Yes. That's a neat idea. Oh, and guess what? They buffed up their AI just for this tool set using uh, some of the guys from the Overwatch team came over to help them. And they basically created a relatively intelligent AI compared to what they've had in the past. And this AI was able to notice when you do certain things. So if you engage a boss enemy on the island, if the other team has an NPC rogue on it named Sneaky Pete, he will literally shadow step to the healer specifically after you only after you've engaged a boss and shut him down and stun the healer and scream Sneaky Pete. <laughs> it's the funniest shit. So like it's and this is the casual content. By the way, oh, the doing expeditions, this is the reason you're doing expeditions is because you have a neck piece in Battle for Azeroth and very similar to the weapons that we had in Legion. It is a secondary progression path outside of gear where the idea is you want to collect artifact power to buff your necklace. Buffing your necklace increases its the stats on the necklace slightly, which is whatever that can go up forever, but it'll take a long time. And also the gear you get on your helm shoulders and chest in this expansion doesn't have secondary stats and instead has traits that you get to select but only if your necklace is powerful enough to select the traits and there's traits for every spec and generic ones that oh, you get look, to uh, other content that buffs up your gear for other content and not just within itself right so if you get all the gear you can that week you're kind of burnt down on trying to get gear you run expeditions to get uh artifact power to buff up your necklace and you can do expeditions with anyone you don't need a tank healer dps you just grab two friends and go yo let's do this shit and it's you just go so and if you're a pvp'er and you don't like uh pve content you don't like running dungeons and doing uh battlegrounds and arenas and all the cool pvp content that's in the game isn't really a, enough for you to get enough artifact power for your necklace and you feel like you're getting gimped by only doing pvp you jump into an expedition select pvp mode and oh my god you just took your 3v3 arena team to the feast right you just took your 3v3 arena team and you just jumped into an expedition now shit's getting really weird because now you're doing like hybrid content so where is 14 like not understanding the formula that works like we know you you saw you it, with your own eyes yoshi p at blizzcon like yep. what you don't care so he he's there he knows he's listening he was at the dev panel like he he was there and i just feel like where is the disconnect like okay we have normal story mode and hard mode within the raids but it is not the same thing like no it's not like for example the normal mode that that square enix has developed is equivalent to something we have called lfr or looking for raid 
it's actually something that Blizzard purposely doesn't release till after the normal raids have released. So like what Blizzard does is they'll release like a normal and heroic version of a raid. And then the next week they'll release the mythic version, which is the hardest for the 1% kind of players. And they also start slowly week by week releasing parts of LFR or looking for raid. That looking for raid mode is purposely just made for people who barely play. Maybe they just log in quick on the weekend and they just want to do the raid kind of to see the story content that's in the raid. And they really don't give a shit about doing the content itself. And they just kind of blow through it and get some crappy rewards and do whatever. So those mythic dungeons without doing any keystones, the gear they give and the best gear you can get from world quests is also the same gear that comes from LFR. So if you want any gear above that level, you actually have to do mythic plus or rating or high end PVP. So they put like a wall there almost where it's like, Hey, yeah, you can keep playing and you'll get really good gear up to this point. And then after that, it's pretty much motivated by, do you actually want to do gear and do like this end game content or not? And, and, and with square, they just kind of said, yeah, we're going to do LFR. But instead of for an eight boss raid, it's going to be four bosses and one at a time it's take separately, one at a time in a room. Whereas meanwhile, as soon as this raid opens, we're going to have this huge environment to go through with all these different trash mobs and storytelling and this explorer, Bron, Bronzebeard, who's like an older character from where I was going to lead us through the raid and be like, oh, my God, I found the ruins and blah, blah, blah. And, and he's going to go through there and it, it's just going to be a great experience. And if you're doing normal mode or heroic mode, it's going to be like challenging if you're doing lfr it's going to be hilarious but you won't get to do lfr until the raid's been out for a few weeks and other people have gotten to experience it because blizzard recognizes like hey maybe you don't really deserve to see the content the first week or two it's out because you're kind of just blowing through it unlike here where <laughs> where we release like the the shit story mode immediately everyone just blows through it in one week and then most people never pick it up again yeah <laughs> yeah and savage mode is is not even that savage sometimes. So it it, it, feel, it feels conflicting. Like, I'll be honest, only the third and fourth boss of a FF14 raid feels any kind of challenge. Yeah. And and the other thing is, I, I told my guild and WoW, I was like, uh, I told them how some of the raids worked in 14 when I was raiding with you. And they're like, really? Is it that? Is it really like that? I was like, yeah. And then I linked them an article. You know how they, uh, on Reddit, they post sometimes the... Uh, the guides where it says, oh, at this exact time, this move will happen. Yep. yep. Yeah. They, everyone laughed hysterically. They've never seen that. Cause that's impossible to do for so wow. Are all of wow's like extremely RNG? They're, they're not extremely RNG. They vary. Some of them are almost like that, to that scripted level, but most of them have enough RNG where an add on called deadly boss mods or a similar one could probably predict that, Hey, in the next two minutes, one of these mechanics is going to happen but it can't predict at this which moment one? in time ahead of the fight. And, it, and sometimes it can't predict which one. Sometimes it can. It really depends on the fight. But, but that's my point. Like, I, I feel like there's, there's a, a reason that Blizzard listens and experiments every expansion and tries to get to a point where there's always going to be content. Oh, oh by the way, there's, there's even more content coming in the couple weeks that they've locked down called Warfronts, where your faction gets to lock down a base and hire troops like a real-time strategy game to attack or defend it. And as long as your side controls it, you get special rewards and bosses while the other side has to gather resources and attack you again. So, again, so like, like, a, so like a new content. This isn't building on an old system. This isn't just like no. a new map for something they already They've have. They've never done this. Brand it, new. The map is technically existed in the game. It's this place in Arathi Basin, but it's uh -huh. got new stuff in it. Like, it's... It's a technically an outdoor zone that's just going to weekly, every couple hours, it's just going to activate like this co this contest for you to kind of attack the other faction space. 
it's it's never been done before. They did it just for this expansion. And it's probably not going to be done after this expansion. They'll probably move on to something else. Warfronts and island expeditions are really just for Battle for Azeroth. Because Blizzard recognizes, just like the artifact system for Legion, it's okay to have content that's just gets, you know, you know, it's, it stays there. It's not going to go away, but it's not really needed after that expansion. They don't have to sit there and maintain it. They'll just kind of let it let it die. Right. And that's okay. That's yeah, okay. It, it is okay if there's other things to do. Right. But the problem is Square isn't doing that. Square's taking, hey, here's the same fucking content everyone's always bored with. Let's do the exact same thing every time. And let's not enhance it with anything. Their idea of an enhancement was Diadem and, and Eureka. And look how well that's... Yeah, Diadem was, was shit. Yeah. Palace still, of the Dead is the best thing they've done. And even that is kind of like... Eh. Yeah, I think Palace of the Dead, again, we all thought was a good base, just like we thought Animos was a good base and that the next step would improve on it. But really, all I did was change a couple minuscule things about it and didn't change the base of it at all. Like, I'm really disappointed how similar Heaven on High is to the original. Like, it's literally like, change a couple of minders, change one room layout, and done like how hard would it have been to make like each floor a randomized different objective to open the portal to the next floor like how hard would that have been like i mean look they don't even put effort into the raids like look what's the hardest part about kefka right now for you on savage um it's just our tanks and healers getting into a certain position for the forsaken that we're currently stuck on so our dps have figured their rhythm out and now our healers just they need to just aim the things a certain way so they don't cleave the arena and that's it. It's just avoiding cleaves and positioning, right? Yeah, that's our biggest thing right now. And like, and we're almost there. Like the last time we did it, we like we actually got past a, like by a couple seconds more than we did the time before. So, right. so here was our biggest thing, just for comparison. I think this is important. Here, here's our biggest thing. The last raid tier we did at the end of Legion with uh, Zyle, and Zyle can attest to this, was this fight called Coven, right? So there were these three demon sisters. Two of them would be active at any time. Our tanks had to keep them 30 yards apart. While they kept them 30 yards apart periodically the room would be filled with darkness when it was filled with darkness you took like 20 percent or more of your health every tick so you had to get out of it immediately the safe spots would randomly spawn around the room roughly they would try to spawn based on where people were standing but usually they, it wasn't the case so it was extremely random so you had to get to them immediately while this is happening still got to keep the bosses 30 yards apart or they get 99 percent damage reduction <laughs> while this is happening each boss has a different mechanic periodically one of the sisters will swap with the other sister that you're not currently fighting who's on the balcony so the three sisters are rotating constantly right. one of the mechanics is a tornado that knocks people away one of them is these three darts that deal heavy damage and do a knockback blah 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 right they're all doing different things while this is happening every minute and minute and a half something like that uh one of these mechanics would happen either a bunch of guys would come around in a circle and throw flamethrowers into the center and you had to burn them all down while not being in the center or you get a one shot or four guys would appear at each corner of the room and start casting if they cast got off it would deal huge aoe damage to the entire room and do a stack the stack increased the damage from that move so you had to burn two of them before any cast got off or you'd probably die and then you had to kill the other two with hopefully one or zero casts so you would all live and the healers wouldn't do anything these would happen while the room filled with darkness and the safe spots would appear randomly another one was electricity would come out everyone had to be two yards apart or it would one shot you with a lightning bolt you see what i'm saying another one was uh ghosts would all walk towards the center of the room when you gathered in the center and you had to use crowd control to knock back or grip or root people so that you could then walk around the ghosts, wait about 30 seconds till the ghosts were attackable, and then kill them while there were only certain zones you could stand in because of the other mechanic. So that's the kind of stuff we struggled on. Meanwhile, most people in this game are struggling to, I have to face the boss a certain way, and I have to stand in a certain place. That's, I stand (laughs) in every time, every fight, every week. 
Yeah. So that's that's the difference, and that's just raid content. So I think the best thing Square can learn from this is, hey, look, fates clearly don't do anything at endgame. You clearly don't have enough side quests to satisfy certain casual players. So, and your raid lockouts and your dungeon lockouts and everything, I actually don't have dungeon lockouts, so your raid lockouts are per character instead of per job. Like, they can, there's so many things they can fix. If they make loot lockout per job instead of character, that's huge. Yeah, it and that shuffles people. people around and you can, you can run with different groups. You can exactly. help other players because you're going to be running on a different job. Dude, I would play on both Paladin and Samurai if I could. Right, and I would play Dark Knight and Red Mage. And in WoW right now, I just geared out my warrior. I'm going to get on my druid now and level as a healer so that I can go run dungeons with, with my friends Like after we've geared our main characters. like Everyone's doing that now. Like It's a normal thing. Uh, in the other in like other games, not just WoW actually, a lot of other games to just level alts for your raiding guild so that you can have a variety of characters and you can have like alt runs of raids every week. Like one night you might do your main group and then on a weekend you guys might all get your alts and go into the raid again. You can't do that in fourteen unless yeah. you have an actual fucking alt, which is ridiculous. Yeah, fourteen suffers a lot from uh, questionable design choice and a lack of content. Yeah, and I know I've ranted about it before, just having variety, and it sounds like WoW has a lot of things to do at 74, or whatever the max level is, 80, 100, whatever it is in WoW. In 14, one, oh, it's 120 now. In 14, I just feel like you get to 70, and you have one option for raid. It's like you have a boss in a circle room, and if you want to do it, great. If you don't want to do it, you don't have any other options. And I feel like that, I mean, you okay, you can tome grind in the dungeons, but that's not, that's not anything. There, there's no... Yeah, there's no dungeon content for you for hardcore people. There's no dungeon content. Mm -mm. There's no. It makes dungeons very boring. I'm almost at a point where I'm like, just get rid of dungeons because they're so boring. Like I wish they or change them. Even PVPers, you you have front lines and and feast. If you consider feast the hardcore uh, content, you don't have anything hardcore for people who enjoy objectives. So like in WoW, we have battlegrounds and we have raided battlegrounds. You just have front lines here, and it's not even that popular. And then like you know what I mean? There needs to be a average path and a end game path because even if the casual player doesn't play the hardcore one they might enjoy watching and hearing from people that do and one day they may want to jump into that content because of that there's no option for that right now and then yeah i'm just worried about going into this fan fest like last fan fest we were all hyped because they're like we're gonna change the battle system and they're like oh let's just uh nix a few moves that aren't used and add uh cross class abilities which by the way are practically going away because next patch they're gonna let you basically equip all the cross class abilities so at that point what's the fucking point (laughs) yeah meanwhile other games are cutting down on the number of abilities to make sure the classes feel unique also by the way how many jobs are in the game 13 or is that wrong oh gosh i can't remember off the top of my head is it it 13 15 something like that something like that 15 three three tanks three heals four melee two range and three magic so like 15 I think it's like 15. Yeah, maybe 15. All right. Uh, WoW's got 36 playstyles, 36 specializations oh across the classes. So, yeah. so that's the other thing. You don't have in 14 comparatively, you don't necessarily have a playstyle that will satisfy everyone. And that's the thing, too, is we're trying to think, like, if they were going to add new jobs next expansion, like, we're just, we're all struggling kind of think what other things can they add without it just being stupid. Right. They're worried about adding tanks and healers because they haven't been able to figure out how to innovate it. Meanwhile, we have, uh, I think, four or five different specializations for tanks, and we have at least five specializations for healers over in the other game. I'm like, how can you not think of more than three? Like, we have a healer that's heal over time-based. We have one that uh, does more healing based on how low you are and is really good at, like, burst. 
Uh, we have another one that's just your generic burst healer, kind of like White Mage. And then we have another one that is uh, all about absorbs and dealing damage to heal the raid. And then we have another one that's about trickle healing and like just doing low healing over time. And then we have another one that's about healing tanks with big uh, steady heals while hit while sitting in with the melee and healing them as a group. So like we have these different styles. I don't know why we're relegated to just white mage scholar and astrologian and astrologian even is just kind of, do you want to switch to being more like a white mage or more like a scholar? Yeah. So like it's uh, come on, there's got it. They can innovate. There's definitely some stuff they can do. They just need to be willing to adjust the battle system a little bit. But will they? Because this is what they thought was adjusting the battle system. <laughs> but nothing yeah, I, really changed. Like I just, I'm just worried that they are very disconnected from what change actually means. Like new thing, right. but it's not any different. Right. New I mean, thing. I mean, yeah. Even if they add a new job, that's cool. That's that's one new playstyle you've added with a cool aesthetic. That helps. But you're not. It's only one playstyle you've added to do the current content that's already in the game yeah. and you've added a handful of quests for their a short story with them that's cool but it doesn't really last and they still need to actually change up the way they do end game right now in ff14 like every expansion i've done every quest in the expansion and then geared up and then just been like which took like two three weeks and then just been like and i'm done there's nothing else to do mm -hmm. except for you savage every week or try my hand at the feast that's it there's no other progression path for my character. There's nothing else to do. And if I level another job, it almost feels pointless because I can only do one raid on this character per week. And that's yeah. my only end game. I, mean, I never thought about that, but I mean, locking it per job instead of per character, I think would do wonders for people wanting to play this game and wanting to get more time out of this game. I mean, yeah, I feel uh, like that would be easier to do too. Like not even talking about trying to come up with a variety of content. If they could just change that so that you could continue playing after you've done it for the week, that would be awesome. Yeah, Shinjima, I, I, I do go play WoW. You don't have to tell me to go play WoW. I already am. I'm not sitting here trying to necessarily shit on 14, although I definitely realize that's what I'm doing. I'm just Oh, that's what our show's all there for, you know? Limerick Radio, shit on 14. <laughs> like, that's that's our name, so... Right, but I'm more <laughs> here just to, just to provide a comparison so that if you guys go to FanFest, be on the lookout for things that are real change, not other change hey shinjima i'm not saying endgame at wow didn't have similar problems or was boring especially in previous yep. expansions I mean, it just d it depends man I, yeah. I don't know how long you've been gone but it, you know things change every two years yeah th this whole discussion point was talking about how wow has had two expansions now with this formula that seems to be working whereas 14 thinks their formula is working and is repeating the same right. formula but isn't but, actually working so that's but, that's what we're discussing here but but notice even even though that WoW is doing the formula, they're still adding temporary content that's just for the expansion, su such as uh, uh, what is it? Um, like wor the world quest stuff is one thing. Oh no, island expeditions and warfronts, right? Those are things that only exist in Battle for Azeroth. They're only doing it for this expansion. It's something new. It's something different. So they're not. That's those are not carryovers from Legion. They did not just ca copy that content over. Right. So they still. So, so even though so a lot of it was formulaic, there is also enough variety that isn't. Right. Exactly. And that's on top of the normal. Here's a new story. Here's a new way of doing storytelling. I'm in the cutscenes now. In certain cutscenes, I didn't used to be in WoW. Used to be, you know, you only focus on the big lore characters, not me as a player. Now they're trying to do the 14 thing for certain scenes and showing you standing next to the important people. So yeah. again, like there's there's been improvements. There's been there's been change and yeah you okay i'll go play wow guys uh, i will absolutely take your advice <laughs> some of them are trolling you just yeah. i know um, <laughs> but yeah so i'm gonna play right now i mean so as as an end note here because we've gone a little bit long 
Um, I mean, looking at FanFest, what are like the biggest things we would need them to announce for us to feel like they actually understand what we want and need from this game? And will they actually understand their announcements and actually when they say battle changes, actually give us battle changes? I, I think More it's all better and harder content and less things like Eureka. Right, but like... But At least Eureka was different, true. though. I want to give them kudos because Eureka is something that it was not in this game. The battle system, like, everything in it is different, and they did try something new. Like, they did. But then they did say after Animos, oh, Pegos is going to be so much different, you're going to spawn all the NM so much differently, and that, that wasn't the case at all. Right. I think the biggest thing, though, if you want to drive down to the details, is not just more content, not just better content. That's kind of generic, like what you really need to drive at is you want them <laughs> you want them to be able to create content that's going to be varied enough that enough players will participate have rewards that are good enough that people are motivated to do it and at the same time you need to cater to like casuals and hardcore right so if they can make dungeons great again <laughs> by doing by doing something like mythic plus or maybe they'll come up with something different or possibly even better than mythic plus i don't know squares surprise me occasionally not lately but occasionally yeah sure uh they could do something like that if they want to take fates they already have a world quest like system and the benefit is square has it all over the world Blizzard right now True. only put it in the end game zones for Legion and BFA, and they experimented with one or two other zones. They haven't put World Quest. Right. They could implement in every this for zone. leveling characters right. too. Yeah, right. Exactly. If they can put World like take fates and make them give realistic rewards and do a little bit more than just kill X, collect X, like some of the WoW ones are actually mini games, like matching turtle oh, cool. shells and silly things. So, or, or like shooting. I today I had to. Uh, shoot seagulls and crabs to get, make sure the turtles got to the water because they were babies so like yeah so like you know whatever like my point is if you can take fates tweak them a little bit and give them real rewards and maybe make them spawn slightly more often depending on the zone they have that system they're halfway there they're halfway there and it doesn't even need to be a dirt that would be like a complete rip off of world quest i would rather see square innovate and do something even better but i'm saying if they have no time to do that at the very least keep up with your competition do something similar <sighs> yes I just, I don't, I don't have anything else to add other than yes. Like, and I just, I just feel like, I don't know if Yoshi is just disconnected or if he just doesn't, or if they don't, and I don't want to like try to give him the benefit of the doubt and be like, oh, they have a small team. Cause I feel like, cause like you said before they took, like Blizzard could take people from the Overwatch team and stick them there. I feel like Square Enix is spread so thin people with Kingdom Hearts, people with FF7 Remake, people with 14. I feel like they don't necessarily have the staff to be like, let's take people from this other game and stick them on this game. And I don't know how, I don't I don't necessarily know how much they can do with that, but I, I heard the Final Fantasy Seven remake team is two years behind. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. Uh, they, they've basically started over from scratch at this point, yeah. so I'm I, not even thinking about think that game anymore. Is the best at uh, people management. Yeah, well, that was to be fair. That was a third party. They tried to outsource it. It didn't work out. They yeah, they tried. They tried outsourcing to that other company. They didn't like what they were doing. And th they actually thought they were working too slow, and then nixed them and have basically started over from scratch. So, I don't know if that game will ever come out. We do know they've officially, like Nomura, officially said that you know Seven Remake was announced too early. So, because Nomura is Tetsuya Nomura is known for his uh, prompt releases, right? True, but I mean, at least he realizes that that's a thing. Um, so I'm hoping that 14 doesn't fall into 
a similar thing. But I mean, they they probably don't have as much staff as Blizzard is able to allocate. But I still don't think that's an excuse. Um, they definitely don't don't have as much staff, and it and, and I'll give them some credit. It's a, an it's an excuse, but it can't continually be one for years. That's ridiculous. They've been using that excuse for like two three years now. Right. It, really it should to be compete, it should be the reasoning that they then like analyze and figure out okay why is this happening and how can we right. manage our people better I, I worry that for some reason they just view their game and their model their community as different and because of that they're just like whatever kind of yeah kind of yeah all right i think we're gonna have to wrap up our discussion here we've gotten at least i don't remember exactly when we started but we're at least 20 minutes over now but that good discussion strike thank you for coming that i'm, I'm glad you were able to delve into that a little bit because like i i don't want to say like i'm going to go play wow but like a lot of those things i feel like would be fantastic type it you know, additions to a game like 14 and i just feel like sometimes they're a little disconnected from what we as players need um right. and and thanks for having me you know i really appreciate it always happy to be on the show also yeah. uh remember for later uh we're alliance on u.s storm rage see you there <laughs> Yeah, that little nice plug. Also, Ion, thanks for being here, too. I appreciate you. Um, you know, all the other guys. Oh, I didn't even mention where Juxta was. I don't even know. I think he's working or babysitting his, I mean, cute baby. And, uh, Making sweet drops. <laughs> yeah. Um, and uh, thanks to everyone in the chat for uh, hanging out with my me trying to figure shit out here. So uh, we're going to wrap up our discussion here. Remember that you can uh, follow the discussion um, by down downloading the podcast on any of your podcast downloading things, following us on Facebook, Twitter, um, I think we have an Instagram. I don't know how often we use that. Um, as well as emailing the show at hosts at limbreakradio.com. We're always calling in during a show, joining our Discord, and uh, having a good old time. Or uh, if you would like more content from us, you like what you see, go to patreon.com slash limbreakradio and uh, hang out there. Get some sweet, sweet content, like these sweet postcards. Anyway, I guess that's going to be it. Thank you to my co-hosts for the day, Ionsta and Strife. And thank you to all of the listeners. I am Nika Kayanian. Keep listening. Radio is a production of LimitBreakRadio.com and Vendor Media Productions. This episode was produced by Nika Kayanian, Juxtaposition, and Strife Lightshade. Final Fantasy XIV and Eorzea are trademarks of Square Enix. Funding for Limit Break Radio is provided by Miri Kennett, Nexian Theta, Hirsch First, Talon Vieira, and fellow Limit Break Radio listeners. To support Limit Break Radio, visit patreon.com slash limitbreakradio. Opening music in this episode from Daniel Lambie. Listen to Man with the Machine Gun and other great tracks at facebook.com slash Gamer. Closing music in this episode provided by Husky by the Geek. Listen to this and a great Final Fantasy XIV and video game rock covers and original music at facebook.com slash Husky by the Geek. In-game graphics for Limit Break Radio's Twitch stream are provided by Diamond Multimedia. Check out their line of AMD graphics cards and other hardware at diamondmm.com. Limit Break Radio and its hosts are solely responsible for its content. Mm-hmm.